You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There's, there's, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. March 8th, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, you are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. They are live. Check our local listings as you can interact with all the different talent throughout our network or the network. And you can go and check out all the different stories we post up every single week. It's fantastic. Check it out every single week. Day. Speedy Petey, what is up? Well, I'm wearing my New York Knicks jersey. Uh, I know uh, one particular commenter. Yeah, I know. One particular commenter I know will love uh, loves the New York Knicks jersey as uh, his Boston Celtics lost to the New York Knicks without Jalen Brunson. Three so. times in a row. Yeah. Three times in a row, the New York Knicks knock off the Boston Celtics. And from the wise words of Jeff, of him liking to make fun of Carl for Georgia scoring on Michigan... Emmanuel Quigley just put something in his pocket and went through the TD Garden hoop. The big bed green is going down. Yes, they are. I also want to give a shout out though to our uh, our our friend Mark Kelly. It is his birthday today. Happy well. birthday! You want me to sing this? I, I don't want to scare anybody off. I don't know if you, I don't know if Mark even wants you to sing. I <laughs> happy birthday to Mark. Yes. Good friend, uh, really a brother to me, and uh, a guy that I not only respect, a guy that's just worked so hard in the industry. And uh, is a big, you know, a big person in my, he's been a big person in my life for the last few years. So shout out to Mark Everett Kelly on his birthday. How old is he? I'm not sure offhand. Happy birthday to Mark. I want to thank our very good friend, a guy that's been on our show quite a few times. And a guy that uh, told me that he was going to send us wonderful shoes. Mm -hmm. uh, Ex-NFL superstar, or in our eyes, the superstar of the year, Antoine Harris. Thank you, Antoine, for these wonderful, wonderful, I don't want to say it, Kyrie Irving sneakers. I am not a big Kyrie Irving fan, but just the fact that he thought of us just makes it all better. Thank you to Antoine Harris for these wonderful, wonderful sneakers. Size 11, as you see right here. Brand new Kyrie Irving sneakers. Speedy, you got a pair too. I did. We don't have to call them Kyrie Irving. We could just call them Antoine Harris's sneakers. Well, Sneakerhead University. That's right. And by the way, you could check out uh, the Sneakerhead University by going uh, to, uh, I, I guess you, if you want to reach out to them, you go to IG, Twitter, and Facebook at the, okay, S H U N, it's university. So S H U N university. So. Uh, you can check it out, uh, SHU University, ladies and gentlemen. Check out Antoine Harris's sneaker collection and his sneaker 
store. So it's fantastic. He is fantastic uh, and a very good friend to the show. And thank you to Antoine for sending us these wonderful pairs of sneakers. Um, at 730, we'll be talking to free agent cornerback Bashard Breeland. He's played in 2014 till 2021 for, for the Commanders, Chiefs, and Vikings. He is a free agent right now. Could be in the NFL back very, very soon. At 8.30, we'll be talking to Tampa Bay Rays pitcher Ben Heller. Also pitched for the Yankees from 2016 to 2020. He is on the current roster of the Tampa Bay Rays. So looking forward to getting Ben on the show for the first time. A lot to get into with this uh, whole quarterback carousel. It has been unbelievable for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and finally, somebody drops as uh, Derek Carr... Hend, well, hence the thoughts that he was going to the New York Jets is heading over to the Saints. But uh, as uh, the Giants signed Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million deal, franchise tagged uh, Saquon Barkley. Woody Johnson and the Jets coaches and executives meet with Aaron Rodgers yesterday. They went to L.A., to sit down with Aaron Rodgers as he's no longer sitting in the dark. So it's no more are you scared of the dark. Now you have to open up to the light and, and try to uh, sneak Aaron Rodgers into New York. But uh, uh, that's good news for the New York Jets. Uh, as, as I just said, the Saints signed Derek Carr for a four-year, $150 million contract. It was a great contract. I really believe a $37 million contract a year. So we'll get into that. Ravens put the non-exclusive franchise tag to Lamar Jackson, which gives Lamar permission to speak to other teams. And if any of the teams are interested in him and they want to offer him a contract, they would have to uh, drop two first-round draft picks to the Baltimore Ravens. Titans say they will be shopping Derrick Henry. Uh, very interesting story. We'll get into that. Uh, John Morant suspended by the Grizzlies indefinitely and will take some time to get help after being caught on camera with a gun in Colorado. Will not, I, I mean will not be up for criminal charges, but still suspended. Uh, Knicks lose Jalen Brunson to a foot injury, beat the Celtics without him, but lose to the Hornets. As the Knicks were on a nine-game winning streak and then lose against the lonely Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. But uh, it was a game that was very, very interesting yesterday. The Knicks were leading the whole game until the fourth quarter, and then everything started to pour uh, with the last five minutes. And by the way, Again, Julius Randle did not look good in a game that he should have and could have looked good. So we'll get into that. So why don't we get into it? I know everybody can't wait until we get into Aaron Rodgers. A lot to get into Aaron Rodgers a little bit later in the show. Uh, but the Giants signed Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million deal. And you look at this signing, and I know a lot of people are going to sit back and, and, and I know argue with the Giants. Why didn't they give... Obviously, Saquon Barkley, the three- or four-year extension, uh, and, and maybe franchise Daniel Jones, and then wait to see if he could do it back-to-back -back years. That's what everybody thought the Giants were going to do going into the offseason. Dexter Lawrence is expecting uh, a contract this offseason. Obviously, one of the best defensive players the Giants have had since Justin Tuck, and obviously um, guys of that magnitude. And To me... When you look at Daniel Jones and what Daniel Daniel Jones did last year, 
was miraculous. He was a fantastic quarterback, like I, I've said over and over again over the last couple of months. There's only three quarterbacks have, that have done what Daniel Jones did this year. And what Daniel Jones did this year really stood out. Over 3,000 yards thrown, over 700 yards run, and the guy was accurate. He didn't fumble the ball. He didn't throw that many interceptions this year, which has been a problem since he's come into the league. He showed everybody why he could be an elite quarterback in this league. And this year, jumping really probably from 25th or 27th in the league as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, to right now probably 11 or 12 for the season that he had. Maybe it was Dable. And Dable, I've been saying this over and over and over again, he is the real quarterback whisperer. For years, everybody was talking about North Turner, how good he is when it comes to developing young quarterbacks, figuring out the weaknesses of young quarterbacks. But Dable has done it with the Buffalo Bills, with Josh Allen, who became an elite quarterback. And maybe now Daniel Jones starts to move up as an elite quarterback and falling this year into the top 10. Giving him $40 million per year is interesting. An $82 million guarantee is something that I thought was a little too much. But to find a franchise quarterback is not easy. Ask the New York Jets. Over and over and over again for the New York Jets trying to draft quarterbacks in the first round. The Jets are the first team in NFL history in the last four years to draft two quarterbacks in the top three. No team in NFL history has ever done that. Sam Darnold could be out with the Carolina Panthers this year. After what we saw Richardson do at the Combine, which everybody's talking about, he jumped a lot of quarterbacks, I believe, in this draft. We'll get into that a little bit later. But Daniel Jones has proven it this year. Now, could he do it year in and year out? I don't know. I don't know how good Daniel Jones is. Only the New York Giants do. And Shane and Dable, they obviously believe he is the franchise quarterback for this organization for at least the next four years. Jones' average and annual value is seventh highest in the NFL. Jones' guaranteed money is eighth highest in the NFL. Jones can also earn up to $35 million in incentives and will cost the Giants $19 million against the cap in year one. How they spread the remaining three years is still determined. The franchise tag was instead used by for Saquon Barkley, who will get $10.1 million guaranteed this year. The franchise tag would have been $32.4 million if they gave it to Daniel Jones. Joe Shane said he would have given Jones the franchise tag right before the deadline at 4 p.m. yesterday. 
if they couldn't get to a long-term deal done, meaning they would have likely let Saquon Barkley go. Daniel Jones has 45, uh, I'm sorry, 44 passing touchdowns and 17 interceptions in his career. In games, Barkley plays and just 16 passing touchdowns and 17 interceptions in games Barkley does not play. His passing rating is 91.4 in games Barkley plays and 77.3 in games Barkley doesn't play. When you look at the offense this year, it was practically Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. They didn't have a number one wide receiver. Heck, they didn't have a they didn't have a number two wide receiver on this team and this roster. They lost Sterling Shepard early in the season to a torn ACL. Then you heard obviously different wide receivers come out, including Beckham coming out saying that the turf is horrible. It's ruining careers. You look at the Giants right now, they need to find that number one wide receiver. Saquon Barkley's career could obviously outlast the running backs we've seen over the last couple of years if they find somebody to take pressure off of him. Now, Hopkins could be available this offseason. That's a weapon the Giants should look at. But giving a guy like Daniel Jones that kind of money? That might scare the Giants away from making a trade for a guy like Hopkins. This is a problem the Giants have had really since Gettleman came to this team and this organization. is finding the right guy. They decided to part ways with Beckham. It was the wrong decision. You look at the Giants right now, and I question what this roster is. We've seen the Giants, for the last couple of years, try to figure out what this team is offensively. Still figuring out, we know it's Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones now. So they're going to run it back one more year. Now, what they do with Saquon Barkley next year all depends on what what the NFL is going to produce when it comes to the Amazon contract. Now, next year in 2024... The cap will go up because of the Amazon contract. Could go up 10, 12 million. I don't know what it is. It's going to go up, but it will go up. They have to figure out what they're doing with Dexter Lawrence. Jones established a career high in completion percentage this year to uh, really a career low, even playing college ball, to a career high, 67.2. Passing yards, 3,205. Passing, uh, 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 sorry, uh, passing yards, 3,205. Passer rating, 92.5. Rushing yards, 708 yards. And rushing touchdowns, 7. But only had 15 total passing touchdowns. I don't care how many touchdowns he throws. As long as he completes them. And with the lack of weapons that he's had on the field or not have on a field, obviously shows why he only has 15 passing touchdowns. I know Giant fans are going to sit here and they're probably saying, you, you hate the Giants, that's why you're saying this. I think the Giants, with the schedule they, they're going to have in their division this year, 
I don't know what the Washington Commanders are going to be. They had a new offensive coordinator. They still have to figure out what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Is it Hanky? Henneke, whatever his name is? Is it going to be Carlson Wentz? Are they going to bring him back? You talk about, obviously, the Cowboys. We know where the Cowboys are, and we all know what everybody thinks about Dak Prescott for some reason. They want to throw him under the bus. Or stamp all over him. The NFC is not good. It's not. And now you could have Aaron Rodgers heading to the New York Jets. And Tom Brady coming out of retirement, which which we will get into it. Possibly coming out of retirement and going to Miami. So the AFC gets richer. And the NFC gets poorer. I sit here today, and I, I believe that this giant team could absolutely win with Daniel Jones. Could absolutely win at Sa- with Saquon Barkley as their star running back. But overpaying two players when you were going into the offseason, what, fifth or sixth amongst the league in, in highest cap space? going into the offseason and giving it to your own players, it kind of scares me. Because let's be honest, the Giants' drafts have not been good. They've been go okay. Gettleman, you look at what Gettleman did. He added Dexter Lawrence. He added Daniel Jones. He gave Saquon Barkley. But even first year with, with Joe Shane, and I'm not taking shots at Joe Shane. He found uh, guys that actually could play. Was Thibodeau unbelievable this year for the defense? Was he a star defensive lineman that everybody expected him to be, drafting him as high as they did? Honestly, he wasn't. Now, obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau could could completely break out this coming year. Absolutely could. But the Giants' defense, as good as they were this year, really predicated what Wink Martindale was doing. Blitzing. Practically every single down. Teams are going to figure that out. Rex Ryan was all about the blitz. Where does Martindale come from? Baltimore. Where did Rex Ryan come from? Baltimore. And that offensive line for the New York Giants? Besides Thomas? It's putrid. It's horrible. If Daniel Jones gets hurt, that's forty mo- that's forty million dollars down the hole. You're paying a quarterback who had one good season. Could turn out to be a great quarterback. I believe he will be. But forty million dollars to a guy on your cap is a significant amount when you look at this offseason and pieces that you could have added to this team. Who do we have, Speedy? We got Jeff on the phone. Jeff, what's up, man? Earl, how are you? Speed man, how we doing? I got your Knicks jersey on for you, Jeff. I know you love it. New York got their quarterback. Good for you, Speedy. New York got their guy. This is going to be a good thing. But my question to both of you, if you would, where would you rank Daniel Jones amongst quarterbacks now? Would you say he's 12th, 13th? Where would, would you rank? I would put him like 14th, 15th, something like that. 
Okay. 11 or 12. Earl? 11 or 12. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, 11 or 12. That is such a good answer. I'm so glad you answered it that way because Daniel Jones is the eighth highest paid quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Eighth. Lamar Jackson's going to get more money. That makes him ninth. Burrow's going to get more money. That makes him tenth. And then Herbert is going to get more money. That puts him 11th. So when he's the 11th ranked quarterback on your list, Earl, and he gets the 11th most amount of money, it's not overpaying. It's paying him appropriately. I'm not it's paying him appropriately. I am so not. You go, hold on oh, one second, Jeff. Money, hold, on. hold on. Jeff. No, hold on, Jeff. Hold on, Jeff. I am not taking shots at Daniel Jones. I am not taking shots at the contract that he got. I am taking shots at the you Giants. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Because if you look at the big picture right now, you could have franchised him this offseason. See if he has a good season for the second year. And then give Saquon Barkley the three or four year extension. Still pay him 12 or 13 million. And then pay Dexter Lawrence and still add players that you need. You give makes Daniel no Jones. Sense. Yes, it does. It makes a lot of no, sense. Makes, no, no, it makes no sense to give a guy a long-term contract that has that has injury history because you see how that has reverberated with the Cowboys and how that's ended up with Zeke. They paid the guy that they need because quarterback is more important. You don't need a running back. And your thinking is completely You could have still franchised him. Let's back up the money truck for the guy that's always hurt. That makes sense. Uh, Moron. uh, I'm a moron. I'm a moron when he was their best player this year. Absolute Muppet. Muppet. Saquon Barkley. Has been the best player for the New York Giants this year, no question. Not, Daniel Jones not overpaid. Daniel Daniel Jones got forty million dollars. He got eighty-two million dollars guaranteed for one great season. One, one great and season also, when everybody was going to run him out in the off season. And also, uh, he's not going to count that much against the cap. Not this he's year. Count but he's still less might next year. Next year, right, he's still. He still might, but he's not going to this year. So it still helps the team. So when you're saying help that, the team, oh, they still got, help yes, the team. Be, yes, because you're sitting there squawking about they still have to sign other guys. Yes, his cap number is less now. Less. Jeff, you look at where the Giants are, and and, and even the talent on this team. This right, this team this team has a lack of talent. Yes, they were in the playoffs. They had a very <laughs> easy schedule. Look no, who they no, played this year. No, no, no. First of all, you can't help. What did they play? Two, two teams over five hundred this year. Are oh, you kidding I, me? Sure, you can say what you want, but they took out a division winner. Oh wow, they took, they out, took a, out a division. How many winner? T- did they? Did they beat the division winner? Yes, they did. They beat the Minnesota Vikings, who won the North. I'm yes, talking about Philadelphia. They played them three times oh. this year and couldn't oh, beat them they, any of the times. Well, they didn't play them three times. They played them twice, but good for you. Yeah, they, they played them three times in the playoffs. That's three, buddy. Three. Three times. They played them twice. Three. They played them twice. Twice. They, they were going to get steamrolled. Who cared? They played them three times. They played they them twice the in the regular winner. season they and once in the division. playoffs. They beat a division winner. And you're a Muppet. You're yelling at schedule. You're yelling at schedule. You're yelling at schedule, but yet they still beat a division winner who you're going to say is going to be a stronger team. They won their well, division. Well, hold on one second. Who said Minnesota's going to be a stronger team? I never well, said Minnesota. I never said Minnesota's going to be a, a strong their, team. So what? They won their, they won their division. They won their division. Who did they play this year, Minnesota? Who did they oh, play? They had a, right. a Green Bay Packer team that was falling apart because they had no wide receivers right. except Christian Watson. Who else did they play in that division? Right, but, right, but you keep going on and on about who did That division was horrible. Three, te- three teams from that division made the playoffs. So what? Three. 
So that what? makes it a good division. No, that it doesn't. It no, it just shows you the lack of the, the, the whole conference in the NFC. Well, that might be true as well. But when three teams from the same division make the playoffs, that's a good division. You say it about. I the disagree, West Jeff. I, dif- I, dis- I disagree. Absolutely oh, disagree. It happens every year where three teams from the same division make the playoffs. That no, it, it just show, it just so happens in the NFC, especially in the NFC, uh, the Super Bowl champions were horrible this year. Yes, they lost Matthew Stafford. Yes, they had injuries. They were horrible. Okay, and they were then horrible. yes, they were, and they all they lost in the in the offseason what was Von Miller? That's all they lost. And they added uh, guys like Wagner and all the, the weapons that they had. Everybody expected them to be good. Give me a break. And did anybody think Seattle was going to be as good as they were? The San Francisco yeah, but, 49ers yeah, started you, off the season putrid. The problem with that argument is once you lose a quarterback, your whole team is gone. Look what happened to the Dolphins. They, they were 8-0 with Tua. They lose their quarterback. And they barely win another game. When Stafford went down, that whole team fell apart. And that's generally what happens with, with teams when they lose their quarterback. The 49ers didn't really have a confident quarterback the whole way. They're lucky they had the best roster in all of football to still patch together a few wins. The best roster in football was Philadelphia this year, first of all. That was the best roster. I'm sorry. I'm going I mean, to argue that. I mean, I mean, the, the 49ers probably win, win the NFC if they had any kind of quarterback. And I predict Detroit will be the best team in that division this year. I think well, Detroit we'll is going to yeah, take we, that we jump. We've got to see what moves everybody makes. We don't know how they're going to draft or who they're going to draft or who's going to sign in free agency or who they're going to lose in free agency. you got to wait and see. Again, you look at the NFC and how bad it was. Carolina was 7-10. and 10. The Saints were 7-10. and 10. Atlanta was 7-10. and 10. Uh, Seattle was 9-8. and eight. They made the playoffs. Los Angeles was 5-12. and 12. Arizona was 4-13. and 13. Uh, Do you want me to keep on going on? Washington I mean, I mean, was 8-8. Eight eight. Even the Giants were 9-7. Well, that's it, that's no, all well and good. You were going to say irrelevant. That's, that's all, no, no, no. That's all well and good. But my point was, you're saying, oh, they overpaid. They overpaid. No, they paid appropriately. You they could have franchised him. Franchise him. And then, and then what? He has a good year next year, and then it costs them even more? What is it going to cost him? $8 million more? $8 million. So more. Yeah, but if he has a terrible season this year and he doesn't show off what he did last year, then you get rid of him and you move on. Right, but but you're running the risk of... But you're running... Okay, go ahead. First of all, quarterback is the hardest position to replace. 100%. I will not argue with you. Right, so so they think they have a guy, so they lock him up. That's a smart move. You lock him up at a price that's reasonable, which which is going to be reasonable as, as soon as you wait, what, six months, and Burrow gets a contract and Lamar Jackson gets a contract. I mean, he's going to be appropriately priced then, right? And you'll have locked him up rather than running the risk of, look at what happened with Dak Prescott. The Cowboys screwed around with Dak Prescott. He had a good year. They ended up having to pay that Muppet more, too. Jeff, and then it didn't work Jeff let me ask you a question. And, and this, is, this is going to be my argument throughout the season. I like Daniel Jones. Me and you are the only people that actually liked Daniel Jones when he was drafted. Okay? What happens happens if Daniel Jones has a terrible season this year? What happens if he throws, let's say, 15 interceptions this year, only throws 17, 18 touchdowns, but 
because, by the way, they couldn't bring in a free agent wide receiver because they don't have the money. Just asking you on this. And then, all of a sudden, for what he did running the ball that last year at 700 yards, only runs 400 yards because teams know what he's going to do, how Dable's going to run his offense, and then puts the Giants in a position where they're paying this guy for $40 million a year for the next two or three years and giving him $82 million guaranteed. When they could have parted ways, parting ways with him and moving on from him. It's not a risk. You could have waited. You could have franchised him, gave Saquon Barkley the money because he's worth it. You know they're going to hand him the ball. He is going to. No running back is worth paying. What are you talking about? He got $10 million of the franchise. What were they going to give him? $12 million a year? He's worth 14, it. 14, 15, no, like, he was going to get we, he was going to get $12 million. That's what he wanted. We all know it. We all know it. That's what he wanted. This so is more. nobody is paying anybody what Zeke got anymore. Pollard got eleven million. Do you think Pollard was better than Saquon Barkley? Come on, um, argue that. Is, co- co- no, he's not. The last, collectively, the last three years, I'm not. Yeah, I'm yes. not you know talking about collectively. I'm talking about this past year. Oh, Who was so better? Cher- Who was better? So want a cherry pick? Who so was better, pick. Jeff? Saquon was. All right, year, but, there you go. But not, but not by much because Tony Pollard was invaluable to that franchise this year. Really? Invaluable. Really? Yeah, he was. Really? Yeah, when Zeke Elliott went down, he carried that. CD yeah, Lamb was really. the, one of the best, one of the best wide receivers in football. As a matter of fact, was a top five wide receiver. Oh no! And by the way, true. they lost. No they uh, hold on. They lost Tony Pollard in that game, and they were in that game against San Francisco because of CD Lamb. Okay. I don't so, want to hear about C.D. Lamb. I heard he's no good. Uh, well, who did you hear it from? The FUD, remember? Uh, the FUD uh, says listen, he's no good. He's not the FUD anymore. He's, 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 he's the beef until I lose that bet. Oh, oh, no. I'm getting 12 months of the FUD. Uh, we'll see. If Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, you'll be doing something else. It's called he, eating he, he, some he, dog poop. That's what you're going to be doing. Going. He met with the Jets. Doggy doo-doo. That's what, what you're going to be eating. He could see what kind of terrible plan they have, and he could laugh at it. He met with the Jets for comic relief. <laughs> okay, comic relief. Okay, we'll see. I, I will say this, getting back to Daniel Jones and, and what I thought about this deal. I think this was a good deal if he has a good season. I just, I'm scared that where the Giants put themselves is they gave a quarterback this kind of money. They, they have, they have a running back and a defensive lineman who deserves all the money in the world for what he has done the last two seasons. He's been one of the faces of that defense and they're going to have problems giving him a contract and extending with him. They won't. Really? How do you figure? Really? Because they can restructure other people to lower their cap numbers so they can pay him. Again, worry, Jeff, again, Jeff, when you sit back and you wonder what the Giants are thinking about this contract, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But and it's a risk they have to take. It's not the risk they had to take. All they had to do yes, was franchise him. He would have came back. Jo- if not Daniel Jones, then who after that? Mariota? You want Tannehill? Who do you want? Daniel what are you talking Jones about, Jeff? They would have franchised him. He would have he would have received thirty-two million dollars. He would have played out this this season. If he has another good season, you give him the forty-five million dollars that he wanted. That's which what it would have happened. More, which cuts further into your uh, cap. Really? Cuts not yeah. not after two thousand twenty four when the Amazon Amazon contract is going to boost up the cap at least ten to twelve million. Yeah, maybe. You don't it know is. That. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. I, listen, it will. I believe that is, I, right. It probably will. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's not guaranteed yet. And right now, you get him at a good number. At a reasonable number. 
He got paid appropriately. I'm not saying that he didn't, but the you way did, the John got overpaid. I, I, right now, yes, because you want to see the second year. This guy was out. Well, Giant fans, I, I, a, they didn't even give, they didn't even give him the fifth year option before the season started. Everybody was parting ways with Daniel Jones. Speedy, were you not parting ways with Daniel Jones? No, no, I was were you not parting ways with Daniel the Jones? Second half of 2021. That's not what I'm talking yeah. about. Were you parting ways in the beginning of the season? Did you think Daniel Jones was going to be the starting quarterback in 2023 for the New York Giants? Nope. There you go. Half the well, Giant the problem, fans would tell you the, the same. Actually, is, all of them would. But the problem is Speedy doesn't know anything about prospects in football. He gives up on people way too easily. Right? Who? How good's the human joystick? Huh? Still to be determined. Out. No, he was the difference maker in the Super Bowl. He was great he? in the Super Bowl. He's a very small sample. Jeff, he was the, the Giants, difference maker in that game. Jeff, the Giants are... They were in a good position going into the offseason. If they franchised uh, a guy like Daniel Jones, give Saquon Barkley the extension, give Dexter Lawrence the extension, they could have went after a Hopkins, maybe another wide receiver, then drafted and add some offensive linemen in free agency. They're going to have problems doing that now. They are going yeah, to yeah. have problems. You don't know that. You don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You don't, we'll see. Right, but you don't know if they're going to restructure contracts. They maybe, don't maybe have not. any. They don't have a lot of talent on that team, Jeff. They have so many. They have so many spots they need to fill. Their corner position. Do they have a real number one corner? They don't. Let, let me ask you a question. Besides Thomas, do you think that offensive line is any good? Really? Yeah. How I are think, they going to protect think, their star quarterback I I that they're paying forty million dollars to? I, I didn't even answer, and you said really. I mean, do you wait for an answer, or do you just rant? You know the answer, Jeff. I don't need your answer. You know it's putrid. So why ask the question? Because I know what you're going to say. Oh, really? What was I going to say? You were going to say it's putrid. No, I wasn't. No, Terrible that's mind a lie. reading. That's a lie. That's a lie. No, I like, no, I like Evan Neal. Like, he had a shaky Give me there, a break. I think, I, I, dude, I think he'll adjust. I think he'll adjust and get better. He was much better in the second half of the season than he started out. He showed great improvement, and that's what you want out of your rookies. They're not all great right away. They're not all Sauce Gardner who comes in and is great right away, and they continue to be great and whatever, right? That's not all of them. Some of them need a little time, but you have zero patience for anybody. Speedy Prashad is trying to get on. Uh, are you looking at it? Uh, in just a few minutes, we, we should have Bashard Breland joining us. Uh, he's he's has some technical difficulties on his side, but we should have him on in a, just a few moments. Again, going back and arguing this, I'm not going. And and Leaf, we're going to talk about Rogers a little bit later in the show, so stay tuned. We'll get a lot into Aaron Rodgers. Another Muppet. Uh, another Muppet. But nevertheless, we sit here today, and I, again, going back into the Daniel Jones thing. If the Giants believe they can bring in talent with the money they have left in free agency, then fine, it was a good contract. I don't know where you think they, they have that kind of money. How much money did they have going into the offseason, Speedy? It was $58 million. $58 million. So what are they paying Daniel Jones out of that cap? It would be nineteen million out of the. Uh, it's two hundred ten total for the team, but mm -hmm. nineteen million—that's about ten percent of the Giants' overall salary. Right, and they gave Saquon Barkley. He gets franchise. That's ten million. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Dexter Lawrence is probably going to get well, an Dexter extension. De yeah, Dexter Lawrence. If he gets the extension, we'll see what the contract is. Right it's probably now. going to be around fifteen to seventeen million a year. Probably. Okay. So, how much money does the Giants have left? 
Right now, it's that was no. If, if they give those those contracts out and it falls into place, how much money do they so, have left? So that'd be let's say seventeen, ten, and nineteen. That's minus forty six. So yeah, that'd be about ten million left. That's ten million left. Are they going to be able to bring in a wide receiver? Are they going to be able to bring in a free agent offensive lineman? The answer is no. And that's yeah, why the answer is definitely yes. No, it, it's no. Two or three million. Get out of here. A good one. A good yes, offensive line. Who? Who? There's been plenty of guys. Uh, For Rodney, two or three million dollars. Uh, yeah, Rodney a good Hudson. One. Just, yeah, Rodney Hudson. He's good. Jeff, you you cannot sell me. See, that, when I name a guy, you just go, oh, he named a guy. They're not giving him. First of all, if he's any good, he's not getting just three million dollars. Rodney, Rodney Hudson's very good. Yeah, he's then he's yeah, not Rodney getting Hudson's then he's not, not getting three million dollars. He's getting more than that. No. Yeah. He wasn't. No, he wasn't. There's plenty of guys making two or three million dollars a year. If he's a good league. offensive lineman, he's not making two or three million. There's no way. There's no way. If he is a good offensive lineman, they are going to have to pay him. Jeff, you can't sell that to me. If you're a good player in this league, you're getting paid. Look at the, look at the Jets. Look at the, what do you think Elijah Vera Tucker is going to get when he becomes a free agent? Uh, one of the biggest free agent signings of last year mm. was Ted Karras. Mm-hmm. You loved Ted Karras signing, didn't you? You lauded the Ted Karras signing. Oh, look at what they're doing. They're helping their quarterback. Do you remember the Ted Karras signing? What are you talking about? Last year, the Ted Karras signing. Ted Karras, do you remember that? You don't even know who Ted Karras is. Just go, exactly. go, talk, speak. We have a right. we have a guest. Tell oh, us. We have a guest. Hurry up. I, you love the Ted Karras signing. Oh, they got all this help. He cost four million dollars. First of all, 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 it was Collins that I loved. It wasn't Karras. It was Collins. First of all, you don't even know what you're talking about. You know what you need? No, you don't. You got to pull your panties up in a bunch, Jeff. Why is it everything? Why is everything attacked? Why do you always have to attack? Are Why do you have to attack? No, I'm not. You you're an idiot. No, because you're, give, you're give putting words in my mouth. Breland. You are putting words give, in my give mouth. Give my best to Breland. God almighty. What is wrong with that kid? Who knows? What was it, an attack? Just to attack what I said about Daniel Jones? I never said that Daniel Jones didn't get a good contract. I never said that it wasn't worth giving Daniel Jones $40 million. I just think it was a bad time to give him $40 million. Did I not say that? Mm-hmm. I said, franchise him, pay Saquon, pay Dexter Lawrence, and then you have, what, $30 million to work with in free agency. Right or wrong, Speedy? Mm-hmm. Right or wrong? And, of course, Jeff has something to attack about. And, I, and, Snug, I don't care what you think that Jeff is 100% right. He's wrong. And that just shows you how much of a homer you are when it comes to Jeff. You're wrong. $19 million. You could have franchised the guy. You could have franchised him. You would have saved, what, $9 million right there. $9 million? You had, okay, $32 million plus $10 million plus Dexter Lawrence money if they don't figure out how they're going to negotiate the deal. You're still saving. You still have about $20 million. Yeah, about $14 million. Yeah, almost $20 million. Yeah. They would have had like almost twenty million to work with. They could have added two free agents, maybe even three. Now they only have room for one, maybe two. 
Actually, they could have added four. They would have, they, they, they only have room for one or two. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to free agent cornerback Bashad Breeland here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. What? 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 You know you like this, Bashad. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. By the way, shout out to Jeff calling the show and pissing me off in the beginning of the show. Thank you. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our listings of our shows throughout the week live. You can call the shows, interact with our our guests, interact with our fans, and everybody. You can interact with our, our talent. Just check it out every single week on our website. And guys, go out and check our stories all over social media on Instagram, Facebook, and obviously Twitter. And our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, our first guest, happy to have him on. We are now talking to free agent cornerback, Bashad Breeland. Uh, the, the applause. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? What's up, Bashad? You look good, man. You look healthy. Yeah, healthy and ready to go. You're ready to go. Free agents, as we were just saying. How are you? How are you and your family doing from COVID-19 and everything going on in the world? Uh, we're doing pretty good. You know what I mean? Getting back to normalcy, uh, that, that's a good thing. Uh, just really enjoying each other uh, with this time and being able to, to get outside and really enjoy nature now. Yeah, nature is right. I mean, obviously, you can actually go out without a mask and enjoy well, nature. Uh, but anyways, why don't we get into it? Uh, your former team won the Super Bowl again this year. Uh, before we get into your where we see you going uh, this offseason and what you're looking forward to, what did you think about the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl this year? It was great. It was a great moment to see them finally get back to, to where they was and win it again. Mm. Uh, I mean, we got a bad taste that we lost it uh, the year before they didn't make it again. But uh, they just showing the world they're really a powerhouse. Man. They really can plug in any type of players there. And they really, he do a good job of really coaching the guys and getting the guys prepared to really be championship contenders. Uh, it's just a program that's really built to win. So you actually played a big part in that first Super Bowl championship yeah. win as the uh, one of the starting corners alongside Kendall Foy. You had an interception in that game against the 49ers, one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive player for the Chiefs in that game. So what was that experience like in that whole playoff run like when you were there? It was so real. I mean, we, we were down. Uh, it really showed – like the fight that we had as a team uh, during during that that time, uh, the first playoff run, uh, every game that we we played where we was down, had to come back, had to battle as 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 a team, adversity moments and overcome. So it was it was dope. We are talking to free agent cornerback Bashard Breeland. Bashard, what is it like playing for a guy like Andy Reid? This guy's a Hall of Famer, offensive guru. Everybody says how unbelievable he runs his schemes. What was it like playing against his offense? At practice every single week, it was tough. Uh, you know, what I mean, they got so many weapons, man. And he put guys in, in so many positions. He attacked defenses in so many ways. It's like it's, it's clever to how how he does that, and it really propelled our, our defense to really be something throughout throughout the year to really hold the weight that our offense did uh, for so long. Uh, and we really got then got us better. To be real with you, the type of receivers that we go against, uh, we don't go against that. And, and 
game game time situation like that. Everybody don't have a core set of speed receivers like Kansas City had. So you actually play with two very good uh, personalities, Chris Jones yeah. on that defensive line and Honey Badger yeah. in his first year with the Chiefs on that Super Bowl team. So what were they both like as teammates? Man, they dope. Uh, Tyra, man, Tyra, he's a cool cat, man. You, you feel me? Like he's, he's like the leader uh, of the defense. Uh, if, if you need anything or need to know anything, he know it. Uh, he, he was a guy that put everybody in, in position, helped everybody learn the scheme and, and, and get things well. Chris Jones, man, he, he's just Chris Jones, Sac Nation, man. He's like the talent is really unregistered. Can't really – Ain't too much you can say about Chris Jones that he don't <laughs> show the world, man. It's like every year, every Sunday he's doing doing his thing. But him as a person, his personality is like he, he just lift the room. Like, like his laughter, his jokes. He's a good dude. When you look at the game and how how fast it's 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 built, you know, in the NFL, uh, the growth of the contracts and even the speed of some of these players. When you look at like guys like Davis running, you know, a combine of like four point six. You have a defensive lineman; he's what three hundred and thirty pounds, and he's running uh, he's running a four point six. And then you watch the combine right now. What was it like watching some of these youngsters, you know, actually run the combine and do the things that you did um, as a young player when you came into the league? It was dope, um, but we really see that these guys are more developed now uh, coming out of, out of school. Uh, the talent-wise and, and measurement, they're bigger, stronger, and faster. Uh, it's like kids growing up. Now, kids these days, they, they know more than we did during our times. So it's, like, it, it's just dope to see how the game evolved around those players. So was there anything when you went to the Combine that was kind of a surprise, both either on and or off the field that you didn't see coming, or was it an interesting thing to prepare for that wasn't involved with your athletic skills? It was the meetings. It was more so the meetings really had to get up to be on schedules uh, to go talk to these coaches. And, and really, it was just being on display, uh, really showing who you is to, to those coaches during those times. Uh, it, it was nerve-wracking, uh, you know, things you're not really knowing what they what they know about you and what you have to tell or, or, or whatnot. But a fun process to actually show them who you is, uh, a chance from them to hear from your, your mouth. We are talking to free agent cornerback Bashad Breeland. When you look at the cornerback position and some of the great cornerbacks, we, the young quarterbacks that we've seen this year, uh, obviously a veteran like Jalen Ramsey, we all know what he is. We all know what he does on the field, talking and, and the type of player that he is. And then you have Sauce Garner, the development of what he did this year for the New York Jets. What stands out at the cornerback position, being that you're a cornerback right now, and, and some of the young cornerbacks that you've seen grow in this league? Mm, I can't really say. Uh, I really didn't. Thought about it that much. Uh, you mean the Ramsey? We know what the Ramsey bring to the to the, to the table. Uh, and it's just me sitting back this year, not being able to play and really watch these young guys really go out and and, and do what they do. Uh, it, it just really giving you glories and really respect the position more than anything, and and respect those guys and they grind and what they what they did and accomplished. Uh, like Sauce, he came in and did his thing and shot the world and really made a name for himself. I, I commend him for that. So, uh, BU being a corner, we've seen a lot of these rule changes really favor a lot of these offensive teams, a lot of these wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, so how is it, like, adjusting to that when they kept having to change the rules and really making it harder for you guys, yeah, it's, especially it's like as a DB, man, we, we, we adjusting every year. It's like they got a new rule in place every year to, to keep receivers uh, putting up putting up numbers. Uh, you feel me? So, it's like you really got to change with the times uh, each, each year and each out. You got to really hone into your craft and really understand, like, like – your game, elevate, uh, work on your patterns. You know, Bashard, when you look at the league, and obviously the way you have to hit a player now, mm -hmm. uh, in the 80s and the 90s, you could do practically anything. You could hang oh, on a jersey. Now, <laughs> now if you, you tug on a jersey just a little bit, as we saw in the Super Bowl, it could cost you a championship. It could cost you a win. What, what is it like 
What is it like playing in a game, in, in, in a particular game where you're playing a speedy wide receiver, a good wide receiver, that all, all it takes is a tug and he puts another team in position to kick a field goal and win the game? Does it really bother you as a player when you defend these top end wide receivers and all it all it takes is one little tug and there and and there's a 15 yard penalty? Yeah, it, it get frust- frustrating because the offensive PI is really not not called as much as well, and they do a lot of pushing off tugging as well. So it, it lead us to tug like a little bit coming out of the breaks. Uh, but I, I feel like 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 it's one sided to me. Mm. Like in, in the league, it make it hard for corners to really hone in and be physical. It's like they they don't really want corners to be physical as much anymore. So it's like, it's a learning curve that you got to do within the game, game within the game. You got to learn and focus on those moments. So one of the big debates that we've heard this year with a lot of players, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup have brought it up is a lot of players want to go back to natural grass instead of turf. And you played on a natural grass field in Washington at FedEx field. So where do you stand on that debate? And how was it? What was it like playing there versus Kansas city or in Minnesota? Uh, I didn't like the turf. The turf, you get more knee injuries, uh, ankle injuries, things like that. It's like hard to really get through that that turf, like really cut through the cleat. Grass, it's not. It's hard. You, you plant. It's like the grass give uh, or the dirt even eventually give for you to continue your movement. Turf is really hard to really not plant. We are talking to free agent cornerback Bashad Breeland, played uh, from 2014 to 2021 with the Commanders, with the Chiefs, with the Vikings. Who is the best wide receiver you've ever played against, and what made him so great? To me, I had to give Antonio Brown. Like, like he's the only receiver in, in, in my time that really like like gave me a hard game where I felt like I was like, like I didn't have nothing to give. Like during that time, it was Monday Night Football, uh, my third year in the league, uh, played the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I felt like that that game it was just it was just him and Big Ben had their way with me at that time. It was like more of a veteran connection between a, a quarterback and a receiver. It was nothing I could do at that time. Uh, so I would say that moment, that was a learning curve for me during, during that time. Uh, to really, like, learn how to not per se line up in what I'm in, like disguise my, my coverages. Uh, so they really want to get a beat on what I want. So it was a learning curve for me. So but you, I would have to say that game. Yeah, so your coming out party actually was in 2014 on a Monday Night Football game playing against yeah. another elite wide receiver in Des Bryant when you absolutely yeah. locked him down. So what was that game like? And what was he like? Was he a trash talker? How, what Over- was that one-on-one match Overrated Des Bryant. Like, with Des Bryant. Okay. Overrated. Uh, that, that game was – it was different. Bro. I was just hyped, bro. It was more so the, uh, the rivalries, the, the Redskins and Dallas rivalry. And everybody was just, just – Hyped that game up so much. It was a bunch of us. We were young corners at the time. I was a rookie. We had David Emerson on the other side. So we didn't have really no no veterans. Uh, corners, D'Angelo Hall was hurt. Uh, and uh, Chris Culliver at the time. Oh, so, oh yeah. God. Sorry. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just different. Uh, that game, I was just out of my mind. Like, I knew they depended on me. I need, they needed me to step up to really even have a chance to even be in the game for real, for real during that time. Like, everybody had. Dallas over us. So it just prepared me to really go out there and do what I had to do. It was just more so I wanted to make a name for myself. Bashad, there's a lot of crazy personalities in, in the NFL. A lot. I mean, we we have a couple of them right now in New York. Plays for the Giants, plays for the Jets. Even in Buffalo, there's crazy personalities. Mm-hmm. Who and what type of personality that really stands out on any of the teams that you played for? And give us a story that really stands out to you from all the rest. One team that I, if I had to pick anybody, anybody on any of the teams, and is there a story behind the personality of that player? No, I wouldn't say there's a story behind it, but I would say Chris Boyd. Like Chris Boyd, he just he, he, 
good kid, bro. A, a fun guy. I like to be around. Like it's never a dull moment with him. Uh, he, he really bring laughter to the room. Uh, it's just him. Like like the type of person he is. His his personality is just. I would say how would I put it in words? It describes him perfectly. Mm. His personality is him. Like. like yeah, I say Chris Boyd. Out of Chris everybody Boyd. I play with, Chris Boyd. <laughs> Interesting. All right, I want to go to another crazy personality that, uh, as a Giants fan, I remember quite well in 2015, then became your teammate in 2016, and that was Josh Norman. What was he oh, like man. on and off the field? Uh, it was different. I, I can't really say that I, I really didn't have a chance to hang off the field like that. Uh, it was more so in, in uh, at work times, uh, him. Uh, me really understanding Josh was at work time most of the time. Like, so I, re- I can't really speak on how he was outside of the building because I never we never really gave that a chance, to, to be honest, uh, to hang out outside of the building. We are talking to free agent cornerback Bashad Breeland. Now, obviously you're a free agent, and there are quite a few teams in the NFL that need a cornerback, actually need a number two or number one cornerback. Is there a particular team you would like to play for or a scheme right uh, that you would like to play for? Man, right now, I just want a chance to be a play, man. Uh, last season, I, I didn't get an opportunity to play. I had to sit down and watch. Uh, for what reason, I don't know. Mm. I can't really say. Uh, can't speak on it because I don't know. But I would like to play. I would want to play last year. I'm, I'm still waiting for somebody to give me that chance. Uh, healthy and ready to go. And all I can do right now is just work on myself and keep, keep myself in shape, ready for that call. Uh, but it really doesn't matter the scheme right now. At this point, I just want to play. I feel I can play for anybody and help and bring something to the table. Let, let me help you, man. I, I could be your manager, okay? <laughs> I, I, can, I could go out there and pitch you to some of these teams. I, I mean, it, it can't be that hard. I mean, if you want me... I, I, I'm not going to do something that Speedy would do if, if he needs yeah. to, you know, undress and no, you know. <laughs> don't listen to him. <laughs> and draw and draw one of these coaches to try to kill him. Maybe I could get to the head coach and, and try to pitch you. But um, I will say this: there are quite a few teams that need corners. As a matter mm. of fact, corner play has been not that good over the last couple of years. You you have your star corners, but the secondary, thirdary corners are not that good. And as a matter of fact, the Giants could use a corner of your ability. There's no question because I said it before you you came on. There's there's no number one corner on that team. I would say they have a bunch of number twos and number threes on a team. So I, I what we need to do, Speedy, is we need to reach out to the Giants and we need to send his resume to the New yeah. York Giants. What do you think, Speedy? I'm good. I'm good with that. You they need a physical corner. Even hey, if- I, don't, I don't really think it's the resume. It's more so like they need to know who I am as a person. I don't really. I think I really feel like they got me misunderstood as a person, and I- that's really why I'm not playing to today. Uh, once they re- realize who I am as a person, what I'm about, I think they'll be more lenient to give me that chance to play again. I think the Giants definitely need a physical corner, and you have definitely yeah. proven that throughout your career, Bashaw, that you could be like that. And also, uh, the team that just uh, you played with in 2021, and then they uh, they cut you at the end of 22, Minnesota definitely missed having some corners against God. the Giants in the playoff Horrible. game. When they were letting some uh, pretty Horrible. not great receivers uh, carve up the Vikings in the playoffs. So they definitely could have used as you. As long as game. you don't have a nickname like the Jackrabbit, okay? I mean, what, who, who names, <laughs> the, who gives them a nickname of the Jackrabbit? What the hell is a Jackrabbit? I mean, seriously. Uh, who's that? Who that? 
<laughs> Janoris Jenkins, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who was mean, very good the first two years with the Giants, though. and then uh, uh, he's uh, more like uh, the jackass. Okay, <laughs> no, no, that, <laughs> that title's reserved to Eli Apple. <laughs> hey, Janoris can play though. Why would y'all say that? Well, because you know, of what he says off the field. I mean, I like Janoris Jenkins. I'm just making a joke. I don't, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a pretty down to earth guy. I just some of the things that I've heard, you know, you know. On the field and off the field, I I did I. Sometimes I, you can't go off of what you hear though. Ah, uh, you know. You feel me? Like it'd be a story that you you know what I'm saying it's two t- two sides of the air story. Like so you may hear. I like this guy. Like I like this guy speaking to you in a way to make him look bad. But yeah. if you really get the real truth, it may not be so bad, and you, you wouldn't even think about him like that. You're absolutely right. You know what? I am sorry, Bashard. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. I hurt nah, myself. Hurt my feelings. It's just like I, I go through the same thing. You feel me? I would I, want l- listen, I love you, man. I, this <laughs> interview is perfect. I'm, I'm starting to like, listen, you know, dude to dude, you're, you're, you're a cool down-to-earth guy. You have a good personality. You like to laugh. And listen, what could you run the 40 right now? If, if we were to time you right now, uh, where, would you, where would you mark uh, on the 40? Oh, five. Oh, four five's good. I like that. Yeah, all right. Two twenty five. How much could you bench? Two twenty five. I say about fifteen. Oh, I like that, man. All right. Yeah, today I I benched twenty five times. Two twenty five. I'm pretty strong, man. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I'm not gonna flex for you. I don't want to scare you away. <laughs> but I'm I'm not, I'm not a football player. But uh, I I used to I used to be a pretty good athlete. But uh, that's great, man. I I mean, why not? Did you see what Richardson did, the quarterback? From Florida? Nah. Oh, my God, man. He, he I, absolutely I really had a chance to really pay attention to the combine. Bro. He absolutely slam dunked the combine. Speedy, why don't you give it, get, get the numbers? Over yeah, there. he was the biggest com- uh, showcase for a quarterback athletically Ooh. in the combine. He had the best vertical jump. It was 40 feet. I believe it was six inches. And uh, ran, ran a 4.6, which is the most for any quarterback, even over Lamar Jackson. And, um, uh, 4.6? Bench- yeah. 4.6. Yeah, which is the most for any quarterback, even over Lamar Jackson, who was a four six nine, and That's Richardson right. at a four six, and he's projected. To, he was projected to be a first round pick, but now he, a lot of people believing now he could be the number one overall pick or the number two overall pick if Chicago does. He's not going trade to Carolina, baby. He's Ooh. going to Carolina. I think I think he's going to Carolina. I think Carolina will draft him. He'll be in the top ten, but uh, they're you know with Bre- obviously Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Everybody thinks they're going one or two and. Uh, Levis you don't like is. Young? What happened? You don't, think, you don't like Bryce Young? What do you think, Speedy? I like Bryce Young. I, I think Bryce Young's injury issues definitely held him back last year from really growing into that. Too small. Guaranteed. But it's I, too small. I love his arm talent. I love his intermediate throw ability and throw on the run. I think it's going to be very good. But again, I don't know what the injuries. Because Who would you compare him to? Who would I compare him to? I, he's like a finesse type running quarterback. That, uh, I would probably say he is. Mm. He's like a very. He's like a smaller Deshaun Watson to me. I, I would be scared for a guy that weighs probably 175 pounds, soaking wet, five foot ten. Uh, yeah, he's accurate, but could he throw over the the big offensive linemen that he's going to play with in the NFL? And by the way, these defensive linemen are absolutely killers. Okay, you have Jordan <laughs> Davis coming after you, who weighs 330 pounds and can runs a four six. I would scare the hell out of me. Okay, I would scare the hell out of me. I'm I'm just saying, you know, uh, Brashad, yeah, you play in the league. Though, man, you can't measure his heart. Yeah, well, I can I can measure. You can't measure at the combine. His heart. You don't yeah. know where you're going. Well, his heart could be crushed by one of these guys. Let me tell you, man. 
<laughs> he can have the biggest heart in the world, but when these guys come after him, I'm running for dear life. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm 5'10 and 230. I mean, this guy is 5'10 and 175 pounds soaking wet. Man, I thought you was 5'8. Yeah, he's he's not big, man. I, I I'd be scared. As everybody me- knows, he was measured at five eleven, one ninety four. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking to free agent cornerback Bashad Breeland. Uh, as everybody knows, he played from two thousand fourteen to two thousand twenty one. He's still a free agent, looking for a job. Didn't play last year. Played for the Commanders. Played for the Chiefs. Played for the Vikings. And by the way, won a Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. Has a Super Bowl ring. Why isn't he playing? Why isn't this dude playing in the NFL right now? Speedy. I, I want to know. That's what I tell you. Let, let us be your management team. I will reach out to the NFL. You know, Roger Goodell is not a big fan of mine, by the way. So I've said some interesting things about him. So it wouldn't be it, I, I wouldn't be going to him. Okay, he'll probably stomp on me like a bug. But you know, with everybody else, who knows? Maybe we can reach out to Dable, Speedy. What do you think? I I would not mind it by any means. Wink, Wink Martindale? Martindale. Wink Martindale could definitely uh, use a corner like you, and on that, especially playing like, a lot of man to man. I like the Panthers. Uh, Ooh, I, I like, I like that. All right. Be able to play home, Carolina, Carolina guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to go back to the Commanders. Go back to where I was drafted to. No, you don't want to go back there. Come on, man. You don't want to go back there. Uh, that's where I started. I would like to finish. <laughs> you know I mean? Kansas City, you know, that's always home. I would always want to pay for Andy Reid. You know, what I mean, anybody want to pay for them too. But at the same time, it's like I would like to go play against them as well. So it's like a little bittersweet. But to be honest, I, I, I anywhere I play anywhere. To be honest, in in this given time, me being out of year, I'd be happy to play anywhere. All right, you you go back to Washington as long as Dan Schneider sells the team. Okay, let's yeah. let's let's let's. <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade. Let him sell the team. Maybe Bezos buys the team. And then, you know, you go play for the richest man in the world. That would be good for you, right? You get your contract. You get everything. When he's selling. Hopefully soon, man. I mean, mean, come on, man. It should have been a year ago. I'm not on my side. I mean, I feel bad for those cheerleaders, man. Come on. Uh, he should have been. He should have sold the team two years ago. Speedy, no. you should you should dress up as a, sh- a cheerleader. What do you think he do to Bashad you? Bashad would never want to see that. <laughs> Speedy as a cheerleader. <laughs> we, we apologize for Errol having to put this image into your head, Bashad. You do not want to see that. I mean, look at your Fuwan shoe, you know, mustache. I mean, what 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 were you thinking today when you shaved that beard off? I, I was not thinking in the lines of anything that has to do with a cheerleader. So, <laughs> again, Bashad, we apologize that you have to see that. I hope you're able to unsee that image because me as a cheerleader would not be a good idea by any means possible, both athletically and uh, just looks-wise. <laughs> Washington is, is better off with what, what they have now as long as they are treated appropriately, not like how they were treated by Dan Snyder. Oh, oh God, please. But uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to free agent cornerback Bashad Breland. We're Trying to pitch him, guys. So if there are anybody, executives listening to the show, hopefully they're listening to the show, or maybe some of these scouts or whatever the heck they call them over there, uh, you know, this guy deserves an opportunity. He runs a 4-5. I mean, this guy could still play 31 years old. I know he doesn't want to go to the XFL. That looks horrible, by the way. Oh, <laughs> ugh, I want to throw up. I mean, I feel bad for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, okay? <laughs> he, he put up a lot of money with him and his ex-wife, but... Damn that! What are they trying to sell over there at the XFL? Oh man! Oh, man. <laughs> you want to call that a G League? I call that the F League. Oh, <laughs> Failure! All right, hey, Dwayne, that ain't me, Dwayne. 
<laughs> I mean, how is he going to pay those? How is he going to pay those salaries? I mean, seriously, nobody's showing up. You couldn't even give a ticket away. They're becoming the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Brooklyn Nets tickets. On that, that won't sale for two dollars if you want to go get them. <laughs> To watch Ben Simmons airmail free throws. James Harden. Maybe we'll have James Harden stand out there and and, and give away tickets. That's what they did with Brooklyn. Did they not? The clowns that they are. I mean, seriously. I'm just speaking the truth here. Uh, (laughs) Bashar, before we let you go. If if you were to give us a pitch, if 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 we were executives right now, and you were in a, you were with a bunch of executives, you're talking to some of these owners, you're talking to obviously some of these coaches. What is the best way to pitch you to one of these teams and one of these organizations? Mm. The best way to pitch me, uh, I mean, it's really not much I can I can really say to try to persuade because the everything's out, mm-hmm. everything's. Been, Driven, you can look me up and you can see what, what what's being said about me or, or what's the talks. I just let them know, like like during those times, like like, like I was young. Mm. I was I was a young guy. You know what I'm saying? I came from an environment where my right and wrong is different from other people right and wrong. So it was like it was a learning curve for me. Like in the league, I had to learn how to be a man without guidance from other people. So and, and me having trust issue, I, I didn't take that from nobody else. I didn't want to ask anybody else. For advice or help uh, to be able to trust them anyway. Uh, so I did everything on my own. I had to learn from my mistakes. Uh, and I'm a guy, like, whether I make a mistake or not, like, I, I try not to let it define me. I try to keep going. I'm not an angry guy like they were, were once. I'm not a, a, a bad kid, like, you feel me? Uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm was put in to be a role model, and during that time, I didn't accept the position that, that was given to me uh, because I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to lead. Uh, uh, I didn't know how to be a role model at that time. Hmm. But this year, but me being out, sitting out, not being there, playing, seeing all the guys that I play with, I didn't continue on with it, with their career. Uh, a lot of stuff on my own. I can't really fault them for not allowing me to play. Uh, I can only fault myself for the things that I did. Uh, and that's that's about it. Just just let them know that that, that I'm I'm aware of the time that I was in, the things that I've done, and I just want to put that past me and get better and get back to what I've, I've been doing, and which is playing ball. So my last question is actually from one of our fans. Uh, among coaches and teams you have not played for in your career, what coach is the one coach that you would like to play for? Mm. Out of all the coaches in the league that I would want to play for? That you haven't played for, obviously not. That I haven't played for. That Robert Sala, like yes, come to the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> don't go to the Jets. You're not going to get – you, you want to get the playing That's time, Bashad. You don't want to go to the Jets. You can come to the Giants. I like I like the Pete Carroll. I like, oh, okay. I like the type of energy Pete Carroll bring. Uh, as a coach, uh, I, I would like to play for Pete Carroll. Uh, feed off of that energy. Uh, he, he feel like he he can enhance something in, in my career, like Andy Reid has has done. Uh, but yeah, I would say Pete Carroll out of, out of all of. That's a great. You're the right type of corner for his system. He 100%. loves those physical corners. <laughs> Ask Woolen on that one. <laughs> Pete, did you hear that, Mr. Carroll? Did you hear that, Bashard? Breeland is looking for a job. Uh, why don't you invite him to camp, man? I, I, I listen. We're going to pitch you. Hey, that's all I'm asking for. Just invite me to a camp. And there, you a there you go. There you go. Hard knocks. I don't. If I squander the, 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 the opportunity, then then it's on me, and I'll never ask again. All I need is one shot. Hard knocks, baby. Let's put Bashard on hard knocks. Not hard knocks. Hard knocks. <laughs> there you go. But uh, Bashard, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, we'll get you on again. 
And I, I'm I'm telling I'm telling you, man, I'm gonna pitch you. I'm gonna I'm, I'm we're going to there, man. I still want to play. Yeah. I need my fans to help me as well. Let let the lead know what's state I'm in and what I'm thinking. I don't think they think I want want to play, but I do want to play. Did want to play. Still want to play, and can still continue to try to play. Come on, Joe Shane. You heard him. You heard it, Joey. <laughs> Listen, Joey. You know Woody Woody, aka Johnson. You know somebody bring this guy in. This guy's got a good personality. He wants to show what he could do. And by the way. A Super Bowl champion, Bashad Breeland. Bashad, thank you. And thank you. Bashad Breeland, ladies and gentlemen, uh, free agent cornerback. Yes. Daniel Schneider, eat your heart out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Danny boy, Mr. Bezos, when you buy the team, give this guy a chance. Give him a contract. Damn, I'm trying to sell this. I got to sell this guy, man. All right. I got to go out there in Kansas City this year at the draft and stand out there at the outside of Kansas City and tell them, I know Bashar Breeland. This guy deserves to play. Runs a 4-5. Can bench <laughs> 225 15 times. Let's go. <laughs> NFL, eat your heart out. As everybody knows. Great interview, by the way, Speedy. Great get. Mm-hmm. Bashar Breeland. Well, happy that he came on. I, I like his personalities. No doubt, man. I'm glad y'all brought me on, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speedy, are you ready to get into I this? Like I, I feel like I would have did this more last year. I probably would have got that chance, but I stayed quiet and I let everybody do the chatter. Yeah, well, I never really address anything. So well, I'm going to address it for you, bud. I'm going to address it for you. Don't you worry. We're going <laughs> to send this interview out to all the NFL teams, and we're going to tell them how big of uh, idiots they are out there because they need to bring in good personalities, good people, good for the younger players to you know see and 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 learn from. And obviously, you grow you've grown up. You're 31 years old, and you, you still I, I still think you have a lot, a little bit of football left in you. So five Ooh, five years. Look at this. Yeah, there you go. Just don't go, go to the safety. XFL, please. And I can go to safety, man. I'm trying not, man. But I, they might. Force me to force my hand because I still want to play. You, know, you don't want to force your hand over there. They'll cut your hands off by the time the season's <laughs> over. <laughs> oh, my hey, man, God. Just tell them to bring me back home, man. Hey, Tom Brady might come back, yeah, back out of uh, retirement again. So, well, you, know, <laughs> you should reach out to Tommy Boy. <laughs> maybe maybe you and, and Tom Brady collectively can go to the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom Brady's going to Miami, so he would have hey, to go to Miami. Two boys special, man. Miami's got room for you too. They just uh, got got rid of Byron Jones, so they got a corner spot open. Oh man, for real? Yeah, yeah reach out to Miami, man. That's what I'm talking about. We're go trying play, to help you here. Go man. play with Vic Fangio and Xavier Howard. There you go. I had a chance one time. I thought it was going to happen one time before, back mm. in 2018. When I went on the little tour when I got injured, lost the deal with the Panthers. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought I was going to end up in Miami. I need to go on a tour too. Just. <laughs> Just away from, you know, away from the world, you know. Maybe I'll hide in Spain or, you know, Portugal or something like that. I'll go backpack all over that country. <laughs> I won't have to deal with the craziness I'd have to deal with after the show. But anyway, could you imagine me backpack and do a radio show backpacking? <laughs> this is Errol March from the Sports Loudmouths. I'm in Spain. I'm in the capital of Spain. Some guy wants to kill me with a pork chop. <laughs> 
<laughs> a pork chop. <laughs> a pork chop. Uh, the pork, uh, a serial killer, the pork chop killer over here. <laughs> he stabbed me with his pork chop. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Bashad Breeland. Oh, <laughs> Thank you, Bashad. This is dope. This is dope. Great show. I appreciate y'all for having me. Thank you. Thank you. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get into the Saints signing Derek Carr four years, $150 million. And what is the Ravens going to do with Lamar Jackson? When we come back, we'll get into that here on the Sports Limeouts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. I feel like I'm in Tron here. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our local listings to all our shows, our live shows, our talent. You can reach out to them, social media, call their shows, check out all our stories throughout social media, and our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Thank you to Bouchard Breeland. He was fantastic, Speedy. Great get from you. Uh, A guy that deserves another chance in the NFL. So, guys, you know. All the people out there, all 32 teams in the NFL, give this guy an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Invite him. Invite him to camp and see what he has. He can run a 4-5 and he can bench 225 15 times off his chest. Why not give him another shot? That's all. I'm trying to pitch him here. Uh, in, in about 15 minutes, we'll have, uh, um, obviously, Tampa Bay Rays pitcher. Ben Heller, who used to play for the uh, for the Yankees in 2016 and uh, to 2020. Ben Heller will be joining us in just a few minutes. Um, the Saints signed Derek Carr to a four-year, $150 million contract. And I know everybody's going to sit here, and, and, and there's a lot of things to get into uh, with this contract. And I know, Speedy, you look at the, the picture and where Derek Carr is as a player and, and what he what he was this year as a player. And I, I know people are going to say he didn't have a great season. He didn't play as well uh, for a guy that had it added a, a star player like Adams and, and a guy that he played with in college and a, and a guy that was pitching to sign Adams to that extent, that big-time deal and leaving Green Bay. The Saints signed Carr to a deal Worth over $100 million total guaranteed. $37.5 million contract. I think that was a great deal for the Saints. Yeah, it definitely was when you look at the efficiency of $37 million for only four years. And Derek Carr has been very durable when it comes to only missing... Since his major injury at the end of the 2016 season, he has only missed those two other games since then. And you're getting a guy that's very good when it comes to 4,000-yard passing seasons, a good guy that's come good when it comes to adversity, which the Saints are going to have to face a lot of this year. Alvin Kamara is probably going to be suspended. What do you do with Michael Thomas, who has a big contract? They might cut him on June 1st by that deadline. You got a rookie receiver in Chris Olave and then a whole new coaching staff. Dennis Allen, who was Derek Carr's coach in 2014 with the Raiders and the big reason why he went to the Saints. And 
he's going to have to – Derek Carr's going to have to be a guy to make that offense look good enough where that could turn his image around because the Saints' defense was pretty good last year, but not as good as it could have been because his offense was on the field. I think when you look at Carr and obviously the New York Jets, everybody was ex- expecting him to go to the Jets. The day before, uh, there were stories coming out, not only through e- uh, Albert Breer and, and guys like uh, Scheffner. Everybody was saying that the, the team that had the best likely chance of getting him was the New York Jets. And I don't know what happened the night after or the, week, the, the morning after. The, maybe Derek Carr's agent re- reached out to the Jets, and the Jets said that we're not yet interested in signing Derek Carr. And I think after maybe that happened, Derek Carr said, you know what, I'm going to the Saints. I, I don't know. We don't know the inside scoop on what happened. But there was a lot of stories on the weekend that Derek Carr was pushing towards going to the Jets. The Jets were, I mean, there were stories coming off in the Jets camp that if he comes to the Jets, he could be a Hall of Famer. They, they had Derek Carr believing that if the Jets brought him in, that they, he was the missing link. He was the missing piece to take the Jets to that promised land, to that Super Bowl, which they haven't been since 1969. And giving, uh, the Saints giving him 60 full, uh, 60 million dollars fully guaranteed at the signing and another 10 million once he starts, uh, year three of the deal. He will earn 60 million in the first two seasons as the Saints quarterback. And it doesn't make any sense. When people look at the cap and the way it, it stands, the Saints are still 25 million dollars over the cap. The Caps, after several players restructured their contract to bring in Derek Carr, guys like Taysom Hill and Demario Davis and Marcus Davenport and, and obviously the Honey Badger, Honey Badger, they were all guys that obviously restructured their contract to bring Derek Carr here. Now, does that make the Saints a Super Bowl contender? No, but here's the thing. The NFC stinks. And now Derek Carr going to the NFC. He probably is the third best quarterback in the NFC. And again, if depending on who they have to end up trading or who they have to end up restructuring even more if they continue to do that. Because we've seen the Saints do that in previous offseasons too when it came to being able to keep Drew Brees towards the end of his career. Because Drew Brees retired in 2020, but the two years before that had a big contract. So if they don't have to trade too many impact players where they are going to either lose something on defense where they have to trade too much on defense or lose something on their offensive line because their offensive line is quite pricey. They just paid their all, uh, Pro Bowl center and Eric McCoy a couple years ago. Ryan Ramchick got a huge contract, one of the best right tackles in football. But if they have to give one of those away or they have to trade Thomas or they have to trade some pieces on that defense, who knows if they're going to be that same thing. I think the Saints are a very well-rounded team as it is if they're able to either get those contracts restructured or trade somebody that isn't harmful. Marcus May is the one that I think is going to be traded most likely. I thought it was going to be Demario Davis. How about Jameis Winston, who's James- making $15.86 million? This is another another quarterback. Taysom Hill is making a lot of money right. as a third-string quarterback. What are they going to do with Jameis Winston? And they, they're saying that they're going to try to trade him. Who wants Jameis Winston? The guy can't stay healthy. Right. You're not going to want Jameis Winston on a $15 million contract. So if the Saints are able to somehow move him... 
they're probably going to have to deal a draft That's pick. That's $11 with million yeah. dollars dead cap. Right. And if they don't move him, they might have to move a dra- another draft pick with it or another player in the same deal to make it an incentive for, for that team. I think, like I said, Marcus May is probably the most likely because the Saints had a lot of good young defensive backs drafted in the last two years. So the signing of, the, of him didn't make sense as it was after they let go of Marcus Williams. So that seems like sense. Cameron Jordan's another guy that <clears> is making <throat> a lot of money and is going to be due for an extension at the end of the season. And are they going to pay him? I would let him go. He's too old. I, yeah. A defensive lineman that's too old. And, and obviously, even though he's been kind of healthy for, for his career, this is, an, this is a team that is getting older. This is one of the more older teams in the NFC. And, and they need to start rebuilding. Maybe trading Alvin Kamara. The guy can't stay on the field because he, he can't stay, he to stay out of trouble. Right. And Thomas is another one. Michael Thomas is making a lot of money. He's making a lot of money. And how many games has he played over the last couple of years? Yeah, he only played the first five this year. And then he was hurt. And then he just never played after Listen that. Listen to this. Got frustrated. The, the Saints have the most quarterback starts with quarterbacks not drafted by their team with 472 games. The most among any franchise. That's ridiculous. Yep. I think the last one that was a homegrown quarterback. Obviously, Breeze was a lot of those years. But even before that, I think the last one was, that was a homegrown quarterback was Aaron Brooks, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And that was the 90s. And... They had Warren Moon in between there. They had all the whatever bad quarterbacks they had in the 80s and the 70s when they were called the eights back then. Yep. So who knows what they had. And even even the ones after that, they brought in they brought in Jameis Winston. Taysom Hill, I don't think actually started a game because he plays so many other positions. I don't know if he was ever labeled the starting quarterback if he was. That, was the, that would be the only one, the other one that was homegrown. But even so, Andy Dalton wasn't theirs. I mean, they had so many that weren't weren't that. Uh, Snug says Bobby Hebert. Yeah, that might be it. I don't, I don't I don't even know. Like the Saints were so irrelevant for the first like twenty years of their existence until that Dome Patrol defense in the late eighties. That I don't even know who their quarterbacks are. So they're definitely gonna have to move Winston to at least try. But I don't know who's gonna take him on a fifteen million dollar contract. We will get into the Woody Johnson situation with the New York Jets and and Aaron. Uh, Rogers. after we get our second guest on, Ben Heller, which we'll, we'll be getting him on in just a few minutes. But I want to get into this Lamar Jackson thing because I, I know a lot of people sitting here today and they're, they're questioning what the Ravens just did. And the Ravens chose to give him a non-exclusive franchise tag, which means other teams could actually sit down with Lamar Jackson and negotiate a deal. And, and obviously the Ravens can match it, but if they don't want to match it, which they're probably not going to match it, the the question is, are there any teams out there willing to give away two first-round draft picks for Lamar Jackson? Now, they're Miami, if they're deciding to part ways with Tua or they want to move from move away from Tua, this is a guy that's had over five concussions in the last two seasons. The guy can't stay on the field. We saw what happened last year. But the, the contract and, and, and the thought of the cap and what Lamar Jackson isn't getting, this is a guy that I believe if he had his contract with the Ravens, he would have played in the playoffs. Hurt or not hurt, he would have played in the playoffs. And who knows, maybe the Ravens go to the AFC title game and not, not and title, title game and knock off Kansas City. Well, they would have played in the second round if they were to play. Whatever. No, nevertheless, yeah. if he played, maybe they go to the AFC title game. Maybe they go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Yeah, because they match up. It's interesting. If they were to beat the Chiefs, hypothetically, in that in that game, they would match up with probably with Buffalo because Buffalo would have ended up ended up as the 2C playing Jacksonville. And then I think they actually match up well with the Bills. I know they lost to the Bills in the regular season, but they should have won that game. They were up by 17 in the third quarter, and that was just one of their classic blunders in the fourth quarter that cost them that game. But I think when you look at Buffalo, like we were 
just saying, oh, you're struggling against running quarterbacks. That could have been a matchup they won. The total, uh, the total for uh, the non-exclusive tag is $32 million, which is $13 million less than exclusive tag, which would uh, wouldn't uh, would have paid him $45 million. So you look at you look at this. I think Lamar Jackson's worth fifty million a year. I, I hey, listen, I'm not going to question the money these guys are getting because he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. This guy won an MVP. This guy's been an elite quarterback since he's come into the league. And remember, Baltimore drafted him at the at the end of the first uh, the first round. What was it? Five six years ago, the, when we remember the Sam Darnold and the, the the Rosen and all the other guys that were drafted in front of him, including Josh Allen. And Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield, who's looking for a new job as well. There have been many instances across the league and in Baltimore when a player has been designated with a franchise tag and signed a long-term deal that same year. We will continue to negotiate in good faith with Lamar, and we are hopeful that we can strike a long-term deal that is fair for both parties in Lamar and the Ravens. General Manager Eric DaCosta said the other day, Kirk Cousins was the last quarterback to receive a non-exclusive franchise tag in 2016 with Washington. What happens to Kirk Cousins? He goes to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Now under the franchise tag, the Ravens and Jackson have until July 17th, 17th to work out a long-term deal if an agreement is not reached by the NFL mandate de- deadline a new deal cannot be can't be signed until after the season the non-exclusive tag gives Lamar the right to engage in conversations with other teams for situations where he would be traded or potentially hold out if not traded by the deadline of July 17th. The Falcons, the Panthers, the Dolphins, and the Commanders have reportedly announced they are out on trading for Lamar Jackson. Jackson quarterback record is 45-16, and 16, which is a .738 winning percentage, is fourth best uh, of any quarterback who debuted since the Super Bowl era, trailing only Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Roger Starbuck. Starbuck. So, I mean, I mean, when you when you're trying to compare him and his ability and what he has done so far in such a short career, this guy is one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Lamar Jackson has 101 passing touchdowns, 38 interceptions, 12,209 passing yards, and a 63.7% completion percentage in his five seasons in the NFL, including winning an MVP in 2019. Lamar Jackson has 4,437 career rushing yards and uh, 24 rushing touchdowns in his career, including two seasons where he rushed for over 1,000 yards. Michael Michael Vick is the only other quarterback who has had over 1,000 yards rushing in a season. It's, It's ridiculous. You look at the numbers, and look what Daniel Jones got. Daniel Jones is making $40 million. $40 million. Is Daniel Jones better than Lamar Jackson? How about this? I like Kyler Murray. He had a terrible season. He got an extension in the offseason last year. Is Kyler Murray better than Lamar Jackson? 
How about this? Deshaun Watson, who missed two seasons in a row, and he was massaging or getting massaged from women and men, whatever the heck he was getting massaged from. This guy gets $236 million guaranteed or whatever the number is. I think it's $226 or $236 million guaranteed. Why isn't Lamar Jackson making Deshaun Watson the money? Deshaun Watson never won an MVP. How many playoff wins does Deshaun Watson have? One. Honestly, what is Baltimore doing? What are they trying to do to this kid? Run him out of here? I, I just, I, and by the way, this guy is, when, when you talk about the Falcons, the, the Panthers, the Dolphins, and the Commanders, all four of these teams, including the Dolphins, should be looking to add a Lamar Jackson. Falcons make a ton of sense. I don't know why they would back out. <laughs> Two first-round draft picks? Yeah. If he if if he signed if they decided to give him the exclusive, they would have had to give three first round draft picks for Lamar Jackson. Look what they look what the Browns had to give up for Deshaun Watson. It's ridiculous. Shame on the Baltimore Ravens, by the way, for all the, the crazy thoughts and neglect to not give this quarterback. This type of contract that he absolutely deserves. And why? Because he doesn't have an agent and that he speaks for himself? You can't negotiate with Lamar Jackson, your star player? I'm sorry. And I'm not saying Huntley isn't a good quarterback. He made it to the Pro Bowl. I'm crazy. I don't know how he made it to the Pro Bowl. But if Lamar Jackson didn't play at least 10 games last year, do they make the playoffs? Honestly, do they make the playoffs? I'm close. That should sell you by itself. And I don't want to hear about Huntley making it to the Pro Bowl. If he's the starting quarterback next year, they don't win four games. They don't win four games. Instead, they overpay defensive linemen that came from another team that they traded for at the trade deadline. What a stupid organization. Uh, and I'm not taking shot at Ozzy because Ozzy's no longer working for the organization. He's no longer the GM of that organization. But if Ozzy was still there, do you think Ozzy would be sitting here? He was the last gift he gave to the Baltimore Ravens. Despicable. When we come back, we'll be talking to Tampa Bay Rays pitching and pitcher Ben Heller. As everybody knows, if you remember him from the Yankees from 2016 to 2020, he's now a Ray, ladies and gentlemen, and we will have him on the show when we come back here on the Sports Limehouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Yes! Little freeway. 631-672-3108 is the number. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our show listings on our website. Check out our show, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great shows, great talent, great guests, and craziness throughout our content of our shows. And you can check out all our stories all over the social media uh, waves, including our website. And now our second guest. Looking forward to getting him on. Speedy told me we were getting him on today. We are now talking to Tampa Bay Rays relief pitcher Ben Heller. Ben, what's up, man? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. 
Absolutely. Uh, you look good, man. Here. I, I, I was just listening to you guys talk about Lamar and some football stuff. And, man, you guys are fired up. I got to hear you talk some baseball now. Oh, man. It's, listen, I'm a Yankee fan. I am shame for the Yankees not signing you. I mean, they need relief wow. pitching. I, I mean, they have a great relief pitching, you know, roster. There's no question. Oh, yeah. uh, but in the second half last year, uh, with obviously losing King, losing some important pieces to that uh, that roster, especially of that relief uh, rotation, uh, maybe adding a, a Ben Heller would have helped them. But uh, how are you hey, and your family yeah. doing, man? Oh, we're good, man. It's I'm I'm thankful for for the opportunity to keep playing. You know, I'm 31 now, so mm-hmm. you, you can never uh, take these things for granted anymore. But um, it's nice to have a fresh start here in Tampa too, and you know, just enjoying the culture here. It's a good vibe. You know, obviously, the Rays are are really known for developing pitchers, and um, you know, kind of being well you know, being a small market team, really getting the most out of their guys. So it's been cool kind of seeing behind the curtain there, you know, you always see it from a distance or as, as a Yankee or whatever, you kind of look at the Rays and you, you know, they must be doing something well to consistently have success being such a small market. So it's kind of cool to see it from the other side. Well, you know, what's so interesting when you look at the majors and uh, there are a lot of players that jump ship, quite a few times in their career and finally find a team that uh, really helps them get developed. And then they have a long lasting career and you're, you being 31, you're still young. You still have the opportunity to build and maybe become that uh, a leaf relief pitcher that uh, a a lot of people might've thought with the Yankees organization. What, what is it like? What is it like growing up, uh, you know, in the minor leagues and then getting to the major leagues and having that experience, stepping on, in Yankee Stadium for the first time as a star, as a relief pitcher. Oh, man. Well, so I came up with the, the Cleveland Indians at the time they were the Indians. I still call them that, you know, Guardians now. But um, never in a million years thought about the possibility of being a Yankee. And then I was traded in 2016 and which in itself was, you know, whirlwind. That was probably the craziest week and a half of my life. And just, you know, maybe a couple of weeks after I got traded was when I made my debut. And man, just to say my head was spinning would be an understatement. And also to, to uh, make things even crazier, it was A-Rod's uh, second to last game. So my first game was his second to last <laughs> game. So then, you know, my, my second game, there was it was just like a complete fiasco. Like the, the entire clubhouse was filled with like every media um, person, you know, every, every, everybody who's ever played with a rod or covered him was in the clubhouse or, you know, had some to say. So I was like, is this what the big leagues is always like, <laughs> or is this what New York is like? This is just a different beast than what I was used to in, in the minor leagues in Cleveland. But no, man, it was, it was incredible. You know, I'm, thankful every day for my opportunity to wear the pinstripes and you know obviously I wish it would have been you know I think everybody probably wishes they could have done more been even more successful most guys aren't you know Derek Jeter's and Mariano Rivera so um, obviously I I would have loved to to uh, made a bigger name for myself in New York but I'm incredibly thankful for the time I did get there and great memories met great people um, you know legendary organization and um, that's something I'll, I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. So what was, what was your experience like in New York in the, in the five years you played there off the field, experiencing the city, the baseball culture there, the fans? What was that whole experience like? Well, I'm from small town Wisconsin. So I grew up in a town of 10,000 people surrounded <laughs> by cornfields. So, um, you know, it was a, a little bit different, a little bit of a culture shock for me. But um, 
I, I loved the, uh, the pizza selection. Mm. You know, my wife and I just walking down the street, you see, you see a pizza in a window storefront and you just go in, grab a slice. Um, yeah. So no, I think I, I always tried to kind of embrace, you know, the New York culture. I took the subway to the field every day, you know, off days, go to central park or go see some of the tourist things and, you know, start to find some, uh, some local spots like Essa Bagel was my go-to breakfast joint um, <laughs> there in Midtown. So, you know, I kind of start to uh, become, you know, feel like you, you live in the city, belong there, but um, yeah, it was, it was a different experience and um, pretty cool. But I think, you know, in, in my core, I'm, I'm still a little bit more of a country boy. I'll probably end up settling down and back in small town, Wisconsin. So um <laughs> You know, it's uh, I I do love New York, though, but probably not where I want to live the rest of my life. We are talking to uh, Tampa Bay Rays pitcher Ben Heller played for the Yankees from 2016 to 2020. Now, Ben, what what are we expecting from you this year? Obviously, you're going to be playing for the Rays. Uh, you're going to be in the bullpen. What, what do you think of the rotation this year? What do you think about the Rays moving into the season this year? They had a little off season last year. They weren't as good as they were the year before. But now with the team that they have and even you in the bullpen, what could we look forward to seeing with you in the bullpen and with that bullpen? You can never count the Rays out. It it almost doesn't even matter what their roster looks like. You know, it's like I was talking with one of my buddies, like he, he was asking me what I think about their lineup and, you know, their rotation and, and everything. And I'm like, it doesn't even matter. You just know the Rays are going to always like scratch and claw their way to, to a playoff spot. And um, no, I feel like that's the case. Like, obviously being in camp now here with the Rays, I, I can definitely say the starting rotation is is electric. I mean, you got basically like five aces, you know, in that, in that rotation headlined by um, glass now and McClanahan who are potentially two of the best um, pitchers on the planet. So that, that'll be fun to kind of see that. And then, you know, everyone in the bullpen is, is electric. And even what's really blown me away is the amount of depth, um, you know, just like, and, and I had known if before, like playing the, the race, triple a team Durham, playing them in the past they're always extremely good and and the Yankees are kind of like that too you know Yankees are always um very good depth Scranton's always a really good squad but um I think it just speaks to uh how they you know how they develop guys how they how they value that and you know that they're gonna they're gonna use their guys like every year this was actually one of the selling points that the Rays made to me when they were um you know when we were talking about trying to figure out a deal Mm -hmm. if I was gonna go there they were saying we lead the league in total number of pitchers used every year. So if you're throwing well, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. There's, there's, we use everybody. We, you know, we, we like to give guys opportunities and um, you know, as a, as a pitcher in my spot, that's kind of all you can really ask for is, you know, if you're maybe not like that, that back end lockdown reliever with a guaranteed spot, you know, you're kind of someone who's, who's, you know, up and down trying to, you know, get those opportunities that that's really all you can ask for. And, and also just to know that they're going to, they're going to pour into me, you know, invest in, in helping me become the best pitcher that I can be. So yeah, man, it's a good squad. And I fully expect us to be competitive this year. So I, I really like Kevin Cash as a manager. I think he's done a fantastic job since taking over for Joe Madden. I know some of his playoff decisions, a lot of people like to criticize, but I think he is very creative. I'm one of them. I know. <laughs> I know. This, this one loves to criticize Kevin Cash. But what, is, what has he been like in your time so far so far in spring training when you, that you've gotten experience with him? And how is he different than some of the other managers you played for? 
He's been great, man. He's, um, you know, pulled me aside like the first day and introduced himself, which I think is, is cool. Like, you know, you, you may be from, from a fan's perspective, you may say that's like to be expected, but the reality is there's not a ton of communication between like the manager and relief pitchers or, you know, especially kind of like non-roster invites guys in my position. Like it, you know, he, he definitely seemed to, uh, go above and beyond to, uh, you know, make that connection. And that's, uh, you know, that, that's kind of how the entire organization is like he, and he sets the tone with like value relationships that that was one of the first things that we talked about in camp was like, this is a culture that, um, you know, we, we want to have a good culture here. We care about relationships. Like this is a brotherhood, you know, we we're here for each other. And, um, you can really sense that cause I've, I've been in camp with a few other, um, teams, not the Yankees, but uh, a few <laughs> other teams where you could, where you could kind of sense that guys were more in it for themselves. And, you know, it's, it, it really just kind of sucks the energy out of the room when you can tell like the team doesn't have anything to play for. And, and guys are really just out there hoping to put up good numbers and, and get paid. Like that when that's all that they care about, you, you can kind of sense that in the, in the room. So yeah, it's been good. And, you know, cash is, he seems like a great dude, good manager. We are talking to Tampa Bay Rays pitcher, relief pitcher, Ben Heller. As everybody knows, he played for the Yankees from 2016 to 2020. I mean, Ben, you look at obviously relief pitching, it's really changed the game. And it's transitioning the game because now I believe in the next five or six years, uh, starting starting pitchers aren't going to make as much money because now teams are saying, you know what, I'll play I'll play a pitcher in in the first two innings. I'll play an I'll 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 play another pitcher two other innings, and mm-hmm. and you know, and you could play six seven pitchers in each inning. What is it? What do you think has changed the game as much as it has over the last couple of years, especially for relief pitchers? I think it's interesting that you get like these baseball purists who complain about the the number of relief pitchers and relief pitchers stuff. And they're, they're like, you know, back in my day, if a starting pitcher didn't throw a complete game, that was a failure. And they're, you know, they're wanting to get back to these days of, of guys, you know, throwing, throwing 150 pitches or whatever, you know, they, they got their starting pitcher throws the whole game. But the reality is teams are run by extremely smart people, you know, data analysts and for better or worse, that's, that's the way probably all sports are going. It's, you know, extremely data driven and they have their algorithms and, the, and their computer <laughs> models and uh, making extremely informed decisions. And at the end of the day, what they're doing is they're making decisions that tell them if they're, they're making decisions that tell them what is going to give them the best chance to win games. And so clearly what is go- giving teams the best chance to win games right now is getting starting pitchers out of there quicker and getting more relief pitchers in there, pitchers with better stuff, pitchers with more unique arm slots or repertoires, you know, changing the look, not letting, not letting hitters get comfortable. And it's, I mean, I, I just think it's clear as day that like, that's what the data is saying is successful. And the Rays are a classic example. You know, they were kind of the first team to start utilizing the opener where you got you know the relief pitcher throwing one inning to start the game, which was seemed insane at the time when it happened. But then you started getting all these other teams that copied them because they probably dug in. They're like, oh yeah, actually this statistically improves our chances of winning on in some situations. So it's interesting. And, you know, I, I, that's a good point about like starting pitchers and, you know, contracts and stuff. And I will be interested to see how, um, 
how that kind of affects, um, you know, salaries and contracts, because I've also heard like in, in arbitration or salary negotiations and stuff, a lot of the ways that teams are kind of evaluating players is based on a lot of old school Mm. stats still, but that's not how they're actually making decisions in games or evaluating players internally. But when it comes to like arbitration hearings or whatever, they're kind of trying to spin the stats to, to make it look like players aren't actually as good as they really were or as valuable. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's an interesting time though, for sure. Trying uh, to save a buck. That's what they're trying to do. (laughs) Oh, 100%, Hundred percent, you know. That's aren't we all? Well, well, the Oakland Athletics are definitely trying to save a buck. They 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 have a payroll right now that is uh, that is less than Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer's individual contracts. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it's uh, it's how it goes, though. It's uh, you know, unfortunately, kind of um, the way the the league has gone here the last few years. There, you're you're almost incentivized a little bit to. Uh, you know, if you don't think you're a World Series contender, it's maybe more um, more valuable to actually try and lose games. So mm. I think that's going that's constantly an issue that the that the CBA is trying to uh, to resolve. You know, the players' union and all that. But that's I don't have an answer for that. But it is you know I I wouldn't like to be a fan of a team like that. You know, like what fun would that be to be an Oakland A's fan and know that they're not even attempting to put a good product on the field. Well, you, you play for a team that has, has done that and still has been winning amidst all that. <laughs> they still make nice. the playoffs. Yeah, they yeah. still they're and the A's have too. They've played money ball and 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 they've made the playoffs consistently. They just can't get over the hump. They can't beat the Yankees. Yeah. They never could beat the Yankees in the playoffs. They always matched up against them. It just never works because if you want to win a championship, you have to spend a little bit of money. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not saying reach into your pockets and do what what. Steve Cohen did in the last two years, spent over a billion dollars. But I mean, at least open, yeah. you have Max Scherzer making more money than the whole organization's making over there in Oakland. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's crazy. I, it is. It's, yeah, I mean, it's you got to you have the big time players in the playoffs. There's yeah. no doubt about that. You know, that's when that's kind of where legacies are made and cemented and all that. So, um, but at the same time, anything can happen, you know, five game series, seven games, mm-hmm. even a three game series now in the wild card round. Right. So it's a small sample size. So um, I, I think it makes for exciting games. But usually, you know, once once you kind of get to like those those seven game series like ALCS and all that, you kind of start to see the the better teams rise to the top and the better players making plays. So, yeah, that's how it goes. So we were talking about stuff that uh, annoyed baseball purists. How about stuff that is annoying younger fans? That is a pace of play. And one thing they're changing with that to try to help it has been the pitch clock. And obviously you being yeah. the, being in the minors for a lot last year with the Twins. You came up at late, later in the season with the Twins. But in some minor league baseball, that's where they were doing it, the experiments with it. And now in spring training mm-hmm. this year, you with the Rays. So how has it been adjusting to the pitch clock, 15 seconds, 20 seconds to deliver the baseball versus your previous career? So I'm going to come out and say this. I think the pitch clock for me personally could be one of the best things to happen in my career Hmm. because I am an incredibly quick worker. I've always loved to work quick. The Yankees used to just drill it into my head to slow down, slow down, slow down, slow the game down. You got to relax. Like just, but that's not how I'm wired. I love to work quick. Like I'm aggressive when I get out there. I just, I like to shove it down the batter's throat. But (laughs) now when with the pitch clock that forces the batter to play by the way that I like to play and hitters hitters are kind of the same way hitters really like to uh to take their time they got their routines you know do all their their batting gloves and stuff and they 
they really like to, uh, you know, get, get their mindset right. But I think, I I actually think the pitch clock is going to be a bigger adjustment for hitters than for pitchers. Um, But with that being said, there are definitely some pitchers who really work slow. Um, I I think I tweeted this, but it it was really fascinating to me. So the Yankees um, one year, they, they did a presentation showing the average time between pitches for, for the average MLB player was like, 17 seconds Mm. this is probably like 2017 or 18 so keep in mind the new pitch clock is 15 seconds so average time was 17 seconds the average time for the mlb all-star pitcher was like 23 seconds 22 or 23 seconds so there's obviously some correlation there between you know the, the higher level pitchers taking their time a little bit more so i'm really curious to see you know how like how those guys adjust if that you know if you kind of maybe see some of those those all-star level pitchers who really take their time and mm. they maybe struggle at, with the adjustment a little bit at the beginning of the season so I think there will be you know there, there's going to be some interesting storylines to come from that but um, my biggest takeaway this spring training so far is that it is very ticky tacky right now like you, you, we all know what it's like you know watching football like where you kind of just get these garbage penalty calls in. It's just not not enjoyable for anybody. It doesn't make the sport more fun to watch. Kind of just takes away. Like we want to watch the players play, and that's kind of what it's been so far this spring. And I know it's because the umpires have been instructed to just absolutely lay the hammer down. I think they kind of want to set a precedent to be of being extremely strict. So all of us players are hopeful that once the regular season rolls around, they kind of have a little bit of feel with it. Like you know, just like. Just don't you don't have to be like so crazy strict because you're just running into things that are like making the game less enjoyable to watch. But overall, I think it probably will be a net positive for the sport, Um, you know, keep the game moving quicker and hopefully, um, you know, get get rid of the extremely boring uh, in between pitch routines. Ben, do you like the baseball classic? Obviously, it starts this week. Everybody keeps talking about Team USA, the Dominican Republic, Japan. Uh, This has been going on for the last, I would say, 15 years. Japan has dominated the baseball classic. Absolutely dominated. But this year, everybody, there's a lot of favoritism with the Dominican Republic. I mean, Team USA has a pretty good roster. Do you like this? Do you like this? Uh, Do you think that the MLB should continue doing this every four years? Yeah, I think it's cool. You know, it's uh, especially in recent years where you start to actually get like all the best players playing Um, because before that, well, I guess I don't know the the exact um, years or anything, but I feel like there was a time maybe when baseball was in the Olympics where you just kind of had like maybe minor leaguers or non non non-professional players. And that's, I don't know, like who, I feel like that's just not as interesting, but now that you actually have, all the best players from these countries playing. I think it's awesome. Like it, I feel like it's a great way to grow the sport globally. And um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the Olympics for baseball. Like, you, you know, you kind of rally behind your team and get to see, see who stacks up best. And obviously there are some, some real powerhouse squads like Dominican, Japan, us, Puerto Rico, like it, it's going to be some really good baseball, I think. So it'll be fun. So you're talking about pitching repertoire before when you were talking about some of the rule changes. And what is a pitch that you've always had a strength with? And is there any pitch that you're trying to learn or maybe the team wants you to learn that would help the, that you would help in terms of growing your game? Yeah, so that's actually been my uh, big focus this spring training so far. Um, I've been 
my whole career, I've been a big, uh, like East West pitcher. So my pitches kind of move side to side, you know, fastball kind of moves into a right-handed hitter slider moves away from a right-handed hitter, but I don't have anything that goes straight or mm. like, you know, kind of stays straight. So that can let hitters kind of guess one pitch or the other. Like if you've ever played MLB the show and you guess pitch <laughs> and it tells you what, you know, you guess the pitch, right. It's like a guaranteed home run every time. So, um, I'm trying to add in a cutter, which is essentially going to be basically a straight fastball, um, compared to my normal fastball. It's, it's going to be pretty straight. And I think that's going to help to, uh, and this, this was the Rays idea. So, you know, this is, this is kind of their, their pitching, um, you know, department at work. So kind of cool to see them bring this up to me. And they were like, you know, we think this can help you a ton to give, give you something in between your fastball and slider and, um, keep hitters off balance, force them to respect, um, both your pitches and not, not just eliminate pitches and, and sit there guessing. So, um, yeah, it's been going well so far. I'm, I'm excited to keep using it and, um, hopefully it, hopefully it ends up helping. We are talking to Tampa Bay Rays pitcher Ben Heller, played for the Yankees from 2016 to 2020. For all you Yankee fans out there, if you don't know him, I know him pretty well. Uh, and and by, by the way, the Yankees have gone through relief pitcher after relief pitcher over the years, and uh, this is what they're they've always been good at is finding pitchers uh, to you know starting pitchers to move into the bullpen, and they've developed into great relief pitchers. And and same thing with Tampa. You go into Tampa, uh, you definitely can re redo everything for your career and open up opportunity for you in the future. But. Uh, you look at your division. You have played in one of the, if not the hardest division in baseball. You, you played with the Yankees. You had to play with the, play against the Rays, the Blue Jays. I mean, Baltimore starting to blow up the Red Sox. What is it like playing in probably the hardest division in baseball practically your whole career? Some of us used to say, like, you know, some of us, like, up and down guys would, would complain at times. would be like, man, why couldn't we just like play for the Diamondbacks or the Rockies, <laughs> like where we just, you know, we're guaranteed to be on the big league squad and we we're playing in these crappy divisions or whatever. But at the end of the day, like if you're in the big leagues, it doesn't get better than the AL East. That's like, it, it feels like that's the big leagues and everything else is kind of like a tier below, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and the Yankees, especially, you know, every game, the, the kind of the saying in the Yankees clubhouse is like when teams come and play the Yankees, that's the world series for them because it's, you know, it's just, it doesn't get any bigger and brighter than playing at Yankee stadium. So, um, you know, obviously with, with all the media attention and a lot of primetime games and national televised games and all that, it's does make it a lot of fun. Um, but that also brings kind of the pressure and the competitiveness and the expectation for, um, for, for the Yankees to win, which, um, just really makes everything even more competitive. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's great. I've, I've pitched in a lot of, um, cool games, you know, pitching at, at Fenway park and Yankee stadium and all, even like Toronto had some really good years there when, when I was pitching with the Yankees and Tampa Bay is always competitive. So it's a good division. You, you can always count on it being competitive, you know, three, four teams in the playoff hunt there out of that division. Yeah, every year since 2014, they've had multiple playoff teams. So 2014 was yeah. the last year they only had one where it was only the Orioles. I think the Red Sox were they were bad after the, the World Series year, and then the Yankees were close, but they were just short that year. But every year they've had at least two playoff teams. Last year they had three. So uh, yeah, yeah, so, that's crazy. Yeah. So so my question is a hitter that was the toughest one to face in your career and a uh, 
a hitter that was like a top hit tier hitter that you got the best of in a particular game, a big moment, something like that. Ooh, man. Um, so my first year, um, 2016, I faced, I, I pitched against the Dodgers and I faced a few good hitters there. Um, I faced, um, well, I struck out Corey Seager, who was a rookie at the time and he was having a really good year. So, um, still to this day, probably one of my favorite pitches that I've thrown in the, in the big leagues, just perfectly located, uh, front hip fastball that came back over the plate. Um, but I faced Adrian Gonzalez, who was at, you know, at the very end of his career, you know, obviously had a phenomenal career, probably 15, 20 years. I don't know how long he played, but I grew up playing with him in all the video games and, and you know, had all the cards and stuff. So he was a guy that I was like, holy crap, I'm facing Adrian Gonzalez right now. And it was a phenomenal at bat. I, I had like my best stuff I've ever had that day, throwing 97 dotting up locations all my pitches working and this dude just kept following off pitch after pitch after pitch it was like he knew what I was going to throw next just making it look like like he was taking batting practice and I think I, I ended up throwing him a, a change up it was probably like a 10 pitch at bat threw him a nasty change up down and away and he just stuck his bat out and flicked it into left center field for like a nice easy single but I, I remember face like, and that was like my probably fourth or fifth big league outing. And I was like, man, like, this is not easy. Pitching in the big leagues is not easy. Um, but not, not all hitters are that good. And um, so it was, it was cool facing him, you know, early in my career. I'll never forget that. Uh, before we let you go, I, I need to give you a nickname, okay? Because, uh, you know, a pitcher, a player needs a nickname. And I've got the perfect nickname for you. Bed, you ben. Ben. The Redstone Heller. How's that? <laughs> I love it. Uh, listen, listen. The the Native Americans called Wisconsin Redstone. The one of the one of the main rivers, the Redstone River. So why don't we call All you? Right. You throw stones, man. The Redstone. I love it. That's it. So Redstone. so you tell your Heck you yeah. tell your team. You know what we're gonna call? I've got a new nickname that you can call I'll me. Put that on my players. There you go. Players Day uh, jersey. Yeah, but why not? Call yourself <laughs> yeah. the Redstone. I like I it. it. It's Wisconsin. Yeah. There you go. I'm throwing stones, baby. Now, now, you just, now you just need five more of all the other primary rainbow colors, and then you uh, then you could be Thanos. <laughs> Get all six infinity stones. They'll I like under- skipping yeah. stones and striking you out. Sticks and stones will skip your bones. There you go. Yeah, but yeah, the jokes are endless. We, we just got, don't just don't skip a pitch to Adrian Beltre or Vladimir Guerrero. They'll they'll line in the, the outfield for a hit. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> or Aaron Judge. <laughs> no, Aaron Judge has not I hit faced, a ball off I the ground Aaron yet Judge for a hit. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. But we really appreciate you joining us, man. And uh, keep up the good work. We're going to be watching you. We're going to be rooting you on. Uh, and we'll get you on. Uh, hopefully we can get you on in the middle of the season. We'll talk about the season. And uh, maybe you make the All-Star team. And then we have an All-Star right over here. Hey, that'd be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the crazier things have happened, though. You know, that's that's what happens with the Rays. You know, you got got to career journeyman who goes there and they turn him into something 31 years old you're far from a journeyman and you're the redstone now man you're the redstone ben the redstone heller ladies and gentlemen uh but ben thank you for joining us yeah thanks for having me it was fun we'll we'll have to do it again absolutely absolutely Absolutely. there he goes i got a nickname for him i got a nickname for him (laughs) redstone the redstone there you go i love it i love it i love it too man i like it pops right out to me Anyways, uh, Ben was awesome, Speedy. Oh, yeah. He was great. Great, oh, yeah, great absolutely. personality. 
ex-Yankee and uh, great pitcher. I, 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 I was checking him out. He, he, this kid could really turn out to be a pretty good find for the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, yeah. They've done a fantastic job with many different types of pitchers, not just older pitchers, younger pitchers, all types of pitching styles. There really isn't one thing that the Rays can't do. And we've seen a lot of pitchers go – leave the Rays and have trouble other places too because the Rays just have that much of a good pitching factory. And if you want to rebirth a veteran guy like like Ben, uh, 31 years old, like you were saying, who's bounced around, he said in Cleveland, the Yankees, and with the Twins as well he was with last year. And if you want a guy to rebirth it to get to the best, especially for a relief pitcher, in that system that the, that analytics department loves to run, it, that's the perfect team to go to. The Rays are an absolute pitching factory. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know people are sitting here and they're waiting for us to get into the whole Aaron Rodgers saga. I, I know people sitting here are like, why did you go and why, why was it your first segment about Aaron Rodgers? Well, there's a lot to get into with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, to me, I know a lot of Jet fans are going to sit here and they're going to argue. It's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be traded to the New York Jets. Nuh-uh. There's no guarantees with anything with Aaron Rodgers that there's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be a New York Jet. The NFL Network's Ian Rappaport from ESPN, Trey Wingo's reported uh, that the Packers granted the Jets permission to speak with Rodgers. Jets exclusive, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jets executives, coaches, and owner Woody Johnson met with Rodgers in California on Tuesday. Packers hinted at them doing everything they can to move Aaron Rodgers, in particular uh, with hyping up Jordan Love's skills. And that's what happened at the Combine. They were hyping up his skills and, and saying that Jordan Love wants to be a starter. He wants to get the opportunity to start. Sports Illustrated uh, Albert Breer reports that it is highly unlikely that the Packers receive a first-round pick for Rodgers at this point. Aaron Rodgers is a 2 Time MVP in the season combined uh, with Nathaniel Hackett, 69.8% completion percentage, 8 yards per pass, 8,414 passing yards, 85 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and 116.7 passing rating, which is the highest of, of a three-year radius uh, at any time of his career. Sauce Garner joked on, in, uh, in a tweet saying that he won't, intercept Rodgers, and will bum a cheesehead if he joins the New York Jets. Brees Hall also tweeted, don't mind me, just manifesting Rodgers. You know, a lot of Jet fans are going to sit here, and if and, and, and even Vegas puts the Jets at four in the AFC if, if they get Aaron Rodgers. As a matter of fact, they... Before they even got Aaron Rodgers, the the the, um, the betters are believed to believe that the Jets would be the fourth best team in the AFC going into this year's season. What was the order? Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Jets. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And and the Bills are going to lose big players this offseason. They're going to lose Edmonds. Yeah. Jordan Poyer. Top Poyer too. He's going to be gone. So they're not going to be the same defense. 
because they overpaid Von Miller, who obviously missed the rest of the season and, and did affect their defense in the second half of the season. And Javis White got hurt at the end of the year yes. too. So that, that, and he wasn't he wasn't the same player. I know. Is he going to come back the same way too? Because he wasn't the same contract. player when he did come back. Yeah, that, if, if he can come back for a full season, he's going to have to come back to that same player because they were relying a lot a lot of rookies to be number one corners right away, and that was very hard for them to do. I like Kyrie Elam and Christian Bedford, <clears> but they're not number one corners. Rodgers is under contract through 2024 for a total of $108 million. Technically, the contract he signed last March runs through 2026, but 2025 and 2026 are considered dummy years for a cap purposes. His deal includes a fully guaranteed $59.5 million this season with a $58.3 million coming in the form of optional bonuses uh, payable before the start of the regular season. Because his bonus money is prorated, Rodgers wouldn't hob, um, hobby the Jets' cap. Uh, he would count $15.8 million in 2023 and $32.5 million in 2024, cap-friendly for uh, a player of this stature. The Packers would get hit with a $40.3 million million dollar dead charge in 2023, nearly $9 million more than he'd count if he were on the roster. The Panthers and the Dolphins are the only other team rumored to still be in on Rodgers, but the Dolphins are less likely for that also reporting that they are out of Lamar Jackson's sweepstakes. So, um, there is there is stories coming out. Uh, uh, there was an NFL guy, uh, or I would say I'm not going to throw his name under the bus, but uh, I'm sure you listen to Rich Eisen has come out and said that uh, there are rumors coming out that Tom Brady could come out of retirement and go to Miami for at least a year. I don't know if that's true. Uh, my he does live in Miami. His family lives in Miami, so that that could happen, but. I can't see Tom Brady coming out of another retirement. Uh, that would be crazy. But, again, money talks. I don't think he needs it because he just signed a $350 <laughs> million contract with Fox. But uh, And he also wants to spend time with his family. Uh, he, he's taking off this year. He said he is not going to be uh, doing any play-by-play or analytic, a- analyst stuff. He's going to wait a year and then uh, join Fox the year after. But... I, I know Aaron Rodgers is is the name. It's it's the bright side of losing Derek Carr. And I know a lot of Jet fans are sitting here and saying, we want Rodgers because if Rodgers comes to the Jets, that almost guarantees the Jets, the Jets to make the playoffs and be a contender in the AFC. But there's no guarantees because you don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to stay healthy. We all remember a guy named Brett Favre. He came to the Jets. They were 8-3. and three. On a Thursday night football game against, yes, the New England Patriots, he hurt his shoulder, and the Jets weren't the same team. That was the game after they just beat the undefeated Titans, too. They were at 11-0, and and the Jets gave them their first loss. You can't sit here today and say, oh, it's a foregone conclusion that if the Jets get Rodgers, they're winning the Super Bowl. Because that's not true. But the Jets are going all in on Aaron Rodgers. They're hiring a hitman. If Aaron Rodgers comes to the Jets, it's Super Bowl or bust. 
even if he wins 13 games in the AFC East or 12 games and the Jets make the playoffs and they have home field advantage, if they lose in the first round, nobody's going to care what Aaron Rodgers did in the regular season. Everyone will be like, oh, classic Rodgers in the playoffs. The Jets should have saw it coming. When you when you hire a gun as good as Aaron Rodgers, and maybe because of his finger injury all season long, he wasn't the same quarterback. He still had a really good season. Uh, he, uh, we've averaged out his numbers to all three of the Jets quarterbacks that started this year. Yeah. Far better than any of the Jets quarterbacks combined. 24 touchdowns. He was he threw more touchdowns than any NFC quarterback all season long. He's going to the AFC. The a- AFC is clustered with great young quarterbacks and great quarterbacks. That doesn't mean the Jets could win the division. Buffalo is still there. The Patriots are still there. Miami is still there. All three teams, very talented. The Patriots have a lot of money to spend this offseason. They could go all out. On offensive linemen, defensive linemen, secondary help. They should trade for a wide receiver. We'll see. Wide receiving help. They're not going after any running backs. They're clustered with it. Yeah. I just, you sit here, and I know all the Jet fans are sitting there saying they're dreaming about Aaron Rodgers. They're going to sleep, or they have one eye open because we're getting Aaron Rodgers. We're getting Aaron Rodgers. There is no guarantee even if they land Aaron Rodgers, that they're going to win. Now, does this make them a contender? Absolutely does. Does this make Garrett Wilson a better wide receiver? Or Elijah Moore? Or any of the players that they have? It means Corey Davis is no longer on this team. I like Denzel Mims upside with Denzel Mims. Because he did it well Conklin, with receivers. Who is a he's a tight end. Wide receiver, you know, type of, you know, versatile versatile guy that can run routes as good as a wide receiver and catch the ball. Yeah. It opens up an opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to really spread the offense and maybe an offense that Aaron Rodgers never had. And also, Aaron Rodgers has done well, not as much in terms of like having the great running backs to help them out over the years, but he's done well in making good pass-catching backs. Guys like James Starks and Ryan Grant, when, they were, when he was, they were in Green Bay as well, were good receiving backs. And even if Brees Hall isn't getting the workload of the receiving, they still got Michael Carter there. They still got Bam Knight, who was good at the receiving guy. If they keep James Robinson and actually play him, that's another story. But still, they have guys to make it work. I'm curious to see what he does with those other receivers because – Again, Garrett, Garrett Wilson was fantastic last year, almost 1,200 yards with that awful quarterback play last year. And Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore have talent on their rookie contracts. Can they get at least one of those to work in a number two consistent type role will be another question. I, th- I sit here today, and, and we could go back and forth on the talent that the Jets have right now on their roster. They have a lot of good young talent. A lot of good young talent coming back from injury. They have Elijah Vera Tucker, who would have been an all-pro player this year. No question he would have. He's one of the best offensive linemen in football. He played four separate positions and played it at the top of his ability. He didn't give up one sack this year at any position that he played. Brees Hall was up for possibly rookie offensive uh, offensive player of the year. Now, Garrett, Garrett, obviously, Garrett Wilson won from the same team. They would have been neck and neck for that position and that opportunity. Sauce Garner, 
And then you have veterans like D.J. Reed coming back, C.J. Mosley coming back, maybe uh, a guy like Lawson coming back, Quinn Williams, a young player who's becoming a star right in front of our eyes. They got to pay him. This could be the most talented young team Aaron Rodgers ever played for. It's the most talented homegrown team the Jets have had. In, at least in my time watching football, I'm not sure about the 80s or the 90s if all those players are homegrown, but even so, a lot of the times the Jets have had to rely through free agency a lot of the time because they can't develop offense. They had to sign so many free agent wide receivers, so many free agent running backs, some of which worked. I'm not saying the Jets bombed on every single one of them, but it's tough when you can't develop homegrown players like that. Now they finally have it. A lot of good offensive linemen homegrown. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall homegrown, and hopefully Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims homegrown too. But again, the one thing they haven't been able to do is the quarterback, but they finally, I guess moved on from the younger quarterback faster and made a quicker decision with it. Sometimes the Jets drag it out too long the way it has to be, like they did with Geno Smith, like they did with Mark Sanchez, and then they wait too long and there's nobody else available. Now, if they get Aaron Rodgers, they're shooting that bullet right in quickly where they just get on it quickly and save this good roster. They have to attack this at, 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 at looking at the time that they have for the next couple of years because they're not going to be able to pay all these young players. If Jermaine... If Jermaine Johnson turns out to be the pass rusher they think he could be this year, taking over at the the edge position, are they going to be able to pay him in four years if they have to pay Sauce Garner and Garrett Wilson? They're definitely not going to be able to pay Brees Hall if he wants top dollar, if he becomes the star running back that he's going to be. They have to pay Elijah Vera Tucker. They're going to pay Quinton Williams. These young players are all not going to be on this roster. Now, the way Joe Douglas has been drafting, uh, if one guy goes out, another guy comes in. And look what San Francisco has done over the years. They lose players. They bring players in. They become the dominant forces that they've become and become the beast of the West, you know, the NFC. So y- you look at the Jets. They have an opportunity if they keep Joe Douglas, if they keep Robert Sala, and they move forward and bring in a guy like Aaron Rodgers, where they'll have a chance to compete every single year with the roster they have built. Now, what scares me about Aaron Rodgers is, how are they going to negotiate the deal? What are they going to give up for Aaron Rodgers? Now, I've heard that they don't have to give up a first-round draft pick now. It could be a second and a fourth. A second this year and a fourth or a fifth next year. That could happen. If Aaron Rodgers gets the Jets to the AFC title game or the Super Bowl, maybe they negotiate a deal where that that uh, fourth pick could turn out to be a second pick next year, right? You know, or a first pick next year. You sit here, and if you're a Jet fan, you don't want to give away any picks. And as as the way how frugal Joe Douglas has been every single year, they didn't want to give up a first round draft pick for Tyreek Hill, who, by the way, was the number one ranking wide receiver in the league this year. It wasn't just Tyreek Hill. It was also Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown, too. Tyreek Hill was the best wide receiver in the league this year. And they had a chance to get Tyreek Hill. And they didn't want to give up a first. They were willing to give up two seconds. And they were willing to give up a fourth or a fifth. And they also didn't want to pay him the contract that Miami gave him of $31 million a year that they gave him. I I think when you look at the Jets and and the position that they're in, and they have an opportunity to add a a talented quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, yeah, if if they don't have to give up much... I would do it. But you also have to pay him, and then you have to pay Quinton Williams. And then you have to decide what you're doing at the linebacker position if you're not going to bring Quincy uh, Williams back. Now, Quincy Williams, when you look at his statistics and, 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 and compare some of the linebackers in the league, they weren't good. So maybe bringing back Quincy Williams on, on a pretty decent contract, I, I, would, 
I would bring him back. Now, the Jets have said that they're interested in Edmonds if he becomes available from Buffalo, which a lot of people believe he, he will be. There are other linebackers that the Jets could bring in. A Bobby Wagner. Minnesota another one. just cut Eric Kendricks. They should look at that. Eric Kendricks. But what are they going to be able to pay them if they have to pay Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is still going to demand, and he has almost $100 million guaranteed to him for the next two seasons. How are they going to negotiate that deal where it makes sense to bring him in, pay Quinn and Williams, because you don't want to bring him in on a, you don't want him to come into the season on a franchise tag. It's not going to make Quinn Williams happy, and it's not going to, uh, as a Jet fan, make you happy to have a player like Quinn Williams sit out the season because he's not getting the contract because the Jets are putting all their eggs in the basket of Aaron Aaron Rodgers doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's no need to disgruntle Quinn and Williams, who's a franchise cornerstone at, a, at what has become a very important position, too. Interior defensive linemen are being much more valued early in drafts and in terms of big contracts because of the instant pressure that they can get at a fast pressure rate because quarterback releases have gotten faster. Heavy motion has done well to counter defensive ends, blitz packages, stuff like that. So interior defensive linemen have become just as valuable in that, and they can't mess it up where Robert Sala, his scheme revolves around a lot, like Steve Spagnuolo's two defensive, interior defensive linemen, power rushing, and Quentin Williams has great speed for his size, so they Jets definitely cannot botch that. They have to make sure they can make everything work. Look at what the Baltimore Ravens are dealing with with Lamar Jackson. They have brought player in after player over the last couple of years, paid the players that they didn't even draft, Play, paid other teams' best players to come in and, and, and pay them top dollar and not pay their own star quarterback. Mm-hmm. What, does that sell, what does that say about the team and the organization and what they believe in that player? Quinn Williams was one of the best defensive linemen, if not the best defensive lineman in football this year. You could argue top three, Okay. And he is demanding 21 or more million dollars a year. You're going to not pay him to pay Aaron Rodgers? You can't do that. And they have to figure out a way. Now, I've heard they're, they're, they're trying to renegotiate deals with Conklin and Usama. They're, they're trying to figure out ways where they can bring in Aaron Rodgers, where it makes sense, where they can still pay Quinn and Williams. They can still bring in Aaron Rodgers and maybe add a player or two on, on a decent contract. Who do we got, Speedy? Jeff is back. Jeff, what's up? This is a very dangerous time for the Jets, I believe. Very dangerous time. They only have really three days to get a contract done with Aaron Rodgers yep. or a deal done with Aaron Rodgers because you're right. The money is an issue. $58 million this year, I think, yep. right, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if this drags on for a little while and drags in a free agency, essential, I realize it starts – technically on Wednesday, but the, the tampering period, the negotiating period starts Sunday night. Yeah. Midnight's the midnight's a deal. And you you know, you've mentioned a lot of top free agents, the guys, uh, Tremaine Edmonds and, and stuff like that, where if this keeps dragging on, they might miss out on some of those free agents because they're putting their, their eggs in the basket in Baron Rogers. Yep. And then if he doesn't show up, they've missed the top three agents that they're targeting and the quarterback. This is a very dangerous time for the Jets. I agree with you, and that's what scares me. And they also have players of their own that they definitely need to re-sign. And Quinn Williams being the number one option that they have to sign. He was everything to their defense this year. And it, you ask Carl Lawson, you ask any of those defensive linemen, when Quinn when Quinn Williams wasn't in a lineup, this wasn't the same defense. It wasn't even Well, how close. much salary cap space do they have? 
Um, they're they're moving around salary going into the offseason. It was only three million, but uh, they the way they were cutting and they were saying they were going to cut player here and a cut player there. It was equal to about twenty six to twenty eight million. So, so, so they can't get any free agents then. Th- as of right now, no. But they they're they could drop a lot of players. They can move on from certain players. But by dropping players, we're only opening holes, and you still need to fit Rogers' salary well, they, in there. Yeah, they're going to have to restructure. To go. Well, they had to restructure they, a lot like the Saints did. They also had a lot of offensive linemen that uh, they lost early in the season. Uh, veteran restructuring, linemen. I was told, isn't possible. Because when it came to the Giants' payroll, and I mentioned restructuring... We're not talking um, about the Giants. Dismissed. We're not talking no, 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 about no, the Giants. But, no, but that was, and the no, Giants have saying. no talent. They have no talent. What are you going to do? You're going to restructure a, a, a player, or you're going to bring, you're going to get rid of a player to add another player, no, well, Speedy, or a crappy Speedy player. Mentioned, Speedy mentioned restructuring, and when I did, and, and so I'm just saying when I did it, it well, that's not an option. Well, no, that's the, not an option. The, I, I met, we mentioned the Saints uh, because the Saints had to do it in order to get Derek Carr. The Giants they're still, the and they're Giants still twenty five million over the cap. The Saints, right. the Giants didn't have to do it immediately. They still have to do it if they want to pay Dexter Lawrence. Leonard Williams has come out and said he was willing to restructure to make sure Lawrence is back. Listen, and, if the Saints, see? if the Saints could sign Derek Carr when they're twenty five million over the cap, the Jets could bring in a well, guy they like just let a bunch of guys go too. Huh? Yes. didn't they just like go four guys or something like that? No, they had to restructure four guys, and they might have to. They're definitely going to have to either trade or release some other ones, too. Jameis Winston seems like the obvious one because it's a quarterback, but they're probably going to have to trade. still hurts the cap, $11 million. It, it, it still does. If they have to release him, that's $11 million of dead cap. They're probably going to have to I trade. I mean, if they release him, that's not a big loss. That's not a big loss. No, but it's $11 million it's that still, hurts the cap. It still will hurt yeah. the overall cap yeah. number when it comes to the dead money. And But I think Carr did his contract in a way where he took a ton less the first year and then more in the second year to accommodate right. that. Carr is getting paid most of his guaranteed money yes. this year. but $60 million almost. The capped number for Derek Carr is not as big as it could be, yes. But they still have to get $25 million under, which means they're probably going to have to trade two good defensive players and J- Jameis Winston. Uh, just trade Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is another one they're looking at, but I don't know what kind of value he has for a guy that's barely played. Can't stay healthy. Marcus May and probably Cameron Jordan is most likely because the Saints drafted a lot of good young defensive backs last year, and the Saints have already have always been good at finding pass rushers. So even if they have to replace it with a, a second round pick or a third round pick in in that, they're not going to get the combined production, or they're not going to the same individual production of Cameron Jordan, but they might get the combined production. This this is a very interesting time because there's a way Aaron Rodgers could just really screw over the Jets, hundred percent, and. It, and it could be uh, it would be an unreal thing to happen to put all those eggs in that bath. I, I think there there's a there should be an urgency to get it done t- today, tomorrow, Friday. Right? I like, think that it, should be the and I, I predicted when somebody actually Josh Silverberg reached out to me, pretty much asked me where do you think this is going to when is this going to happen and where is this going to land for the New York Jets? I, I said that by the end of the week, I think the Jets will have. Uh, considered a contract, you know, agreement with Aaron Rodgers and a trade agreement with the Green Bay Packers. I don't think it'll be announced until the beginning of next week. That's what well, I Woody believe. T- w- well, Woody went out there and talked to him personally. We yes. know how good Woody Johnson's track record is, so I'm sure it's going to I don't know. Woody Johnson sat down with Derek Carr, and, and there were stories coming out that Derek Carr was you really thought that the Jets were the best fit for him. I, I just think that was a the Jets were never fully interested in Derek Carr. Did- did they did they send Aaron Rodgers unlimited cupcakes like they did to Dante Hightower? What? I don't know, but Snugs will definitely cupcakes. do that for him. <laughs> Snug will definitely do that. Do you remember do that? that? Do you remember that when they tried to get Dante Hightower and they tried to get him with cupcakes? I remember what that. What an unbelievable! What an unbelievable franchise that is! Wow, cupcakes. 
I, I mean, again, going back to the we'll Jets. you in shortbread. I mean, going back to the Jets in the situation that the Jets are in right now, uh, Jeff is right. This, this is definitely a position that they don't want to be in, and they don't want to sit on this position because Aaron Rodgers could really screw the Jets in bringing in a free agency, free, free agents, and, and really hurt their free agent market. That is going to explode next week. Uh, when the 15th no, comes not around. even next week. We know how that works. Like, okay, they can officially sign Wednesday. But how many deals get done right at midnight on Sunday night? Like, all of them? I also think when, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers could change this organization. He could. It, 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 I don't believe Aaron Rodgers was 100% healthy last year. That finger problem definitely affected his throwing. But he still had a very good season. A better season than we've ever seen a Jet have since Ryan Fitzpatrick. And even Ryan Fitzpatrick, the year that he had a great season, wasn't as good as Aaron Rodgers had this, 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 past, this past year where he wasn't at his, at his top you know, game, but he's two years, uh, the year before that, he was an MVP. The year before that, he was an MVP. So I, I think when, when you look at the position that the Jets are in, they have to seal the deal more quicker than later with this, with this Aaron Rodgers thing and then figure out what they're doing with Quinn Williams, how they're going to negotiate this deal with Quinn Williams so they'll have enough money where they can bring in a free agent here and a free agent, th- a free agent there that they need to fill in certain spots, especially at the linebacker position. Edmonds would be a great fit for the Jets. And the same Safety position right now. Poyer was a guy that the Jets were very uh, interested in uh, before the season's end. Now going into the and Poyer didn't stay healthy this year, and that's why uh, Buffalo is going to part ways with him. But the Buffalo Bills aren't going going to be the same team uh, this coming year either. Losing Poyer and losing Edmund that hurts their defense, and they if lose. They, lose them. they lost. They also lost their defensive coordinator who's stepping if they down. Lose them. They haven't lost them yet. They can still resign them. I if understand they that, them. but they, they, be there there is stories coming out that they're both. No, we can't. That's over. The the, the deadline was four o'clock today to franchise people. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Just so you know, both players are expected to leave. That's what everybody is saying. So. So instead of like, you know, maybe this is a situation with Aaron Rodgers, much like Dante Hightower, maybe instead of Woody Johnson sending him cupcakes, do you think he brought him like a kilo of ayahuasca? Oh, God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where he, Woody Johnson would find that. But you know, Josh you asked know. me, Josh asked me, uh, would you smoke with Aaron Rodgers if it, if it would bring him to the Jets? I said, I'd smoke every day with him. I would smoke every day with him. Pop shrooms with him every day with him. If he came to the Jets, I would, because if you're a Jet fan, this is going to be a crushing blow when he doesn't show up now, right? Well, it'll also be a crushing blow when he does and you have to eat dog poop. It's not even an issue. It's, I got it. I don't know. It, it, it's it, not an issue. Come on. No, man. it's definitely not an issue. And I, I, by the way, by the way, just so you know, I, I have to see you go out outside and pick I up. You, I, to- I told you, I will FaceTime you live and you can, I'll let you pick the one off the ground. <laughs> okay. Well, here, here's the thing: if if, if Errol's going to smoke every day with Aaron Rodgers to get him becoming a Jet, you might learn Josh Gordon too there while you're out. <laughs> I only got a touchdown of the XFL. I'm not, I'm not worried about it because Aaron Rodgers isn't showing up. This is all one giant cock tease for you Jets fans. You're mm. just going to be left with blue balls and sad. <laughs> this is like the, this is like blue balls. Night. It's like purple balls. If if that yeah, happens, this is, this is like Beeb's prom night. Oh, That's God. all this is. The beef didn't go to his prime. A prom, oh, I mean. No kidding. He couldn't get a date. No, I don't I don't know if he didn't get a date. I know he didn't go to his prom. I mean, we've seen him. He didn't get a date. Why are you so mean to him? 
How do we know what he I'm looked like mean. in high school? You I are. You're mean to him. I knew him in 20, what, 15? You met him or something like yeah, that? Yeah, but I, he, he told me. Okay. I mean, Have what you do you think? What, no, <laughs> when you're friends with somebody, Speedy, you get into conversation. I never got into your prom. Did you go to the prom? I did, but I... but I'm Who'd you sure. go with? Your, uh, your cousin? No. Who'd you go with? My cousins live here. No, no, no. All right, who'd you go with? Was, her name was Amanda. Yeah, was she a friend? Uh, Amanda uh, Huggins? No, no, no. She was a sister of, of one of my friends, yes. Okay, there you go. But, yeah, but I... I did she you, ask you or did you ask her? She asked me. She asked you? I, I tried five other people. That's right. Said no, speed, so. speed, speed is a playboy. Right, yes. no, you I should don't. be wearing I my hat. I wasn't. You should be wearing my hat. I, I asked five other people. They said no, <laughs> so I clearly wasn't. But. I got a playboy hat. You should be wearing that. No, I shouldn't. Yeah, but we've all seen the fun. It's hard to think that this is his peak. I know, I know. I'm just saying, I don't know what he looked like in high Leave school. Leave him alone. I have no idea. Leave him alone. He's a good kid, man. You, 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 just remember, you can't call him FUD if you lose. Oh, oh no, I can still call him FUD. The deal was you yeah. have to call him FUD. That's true. Because I know that you've been re- resisting. But it was a great name that Speedy came up with. He's the beef, man. That, no, no, that's true. That, there was no disclaimer that said Jeff could not call him FUD. In the right, exactly. Jeff just had to eat dog crap. Um, yeah, I will, and, and I will. I'm a person of my word, and I will do it. The tit- I cannot wait until Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer. The Titans say they will shop Derrick Henry. It's very interesting how they're really starting to rebuild. If they're willing to trade away their best offensive option, why is Ryan Tannehill still a Tennessee Titan? Does that make sense? Nobody wants him for 30 No, but that's not this. It doesn't make sense. If you have one of the best powered running backs we've seen since uh, I, Adrian Peterson, why yeah, would you just a little sense? I, I don't think it does. I mean, if they have a, if they want to make the playoffs next year, now they're still in a really bad division. The Jaguars are obviously the team to beat in that division. Now uh, they're definitely going to have more talent next year. They're going to have two number one wide receivers, uh, and they have. Uh, it's trouble. amazing to think how good the Jaguars are with a, just a mediocre quarterback. I mean, he might have oh, here been he the goes. worst person in his draft class. Here he goes. <laughs> there that was coming. Here he goes again, saying and taking shots. Because he has nothing else not better to do. Shots. Yeah, you are. I was not taking a shot. Because that's what you do. You. That's what you do. You. You sit here and you wanna. You wanna go back on what everybody see, else says. Yes, it is. But you want to know something? I can take shots at what you say. And I never said Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to be good. I never said that. I just didn't think he was the best quarterback in that class. That's what I said. That's all oh, I you said. said that? Yeah, I, was, I didn't know that. That's why you're taking it as a shot. No, I, no. I Jeff, I know you. I know you enough to know that you like to dig and you dig and you dig. And until and you, you know, you, you dig enough six feet under so you can bury somebody. But it's not going to happen with me because I'm not going to let you. Okay? And I'll oh, okay. sit here. Yeah, okay. And and I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about uh, Derrick Henry, who I think... Derrick Henry has been the best running back in football for the last five seasons. And the fact that the Titans are... Now, how many good years does he have left? Now, he has that foot problem. He hurt himself about a year and a half ago. Is he the same running back? It took him a while to figure things out this year. It took him almost... But he is really a second-half running back. He has always been a second-half running back. I'm not surprised they're shopping him, though. But that's exactly why. But what are you going to get for him? You're not getting a first-round draft pick for him. It doesn't matter. You can get a second, right? You can you get, get a, a second, yeah. Are, right, and those are all still good draft picks, good players, because at the end of the day, here's the thing. The Titans are not a playoff team. They're not. They're pro- you know, If they're going with Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill, they're missing the playoffs again. 
And if that's the case, why not start to rebuild? And to do that, yeah, I guess you're going to have to get rid of some of your better players so you can collect assets to rebuild. I, I, give I, debt, I, I understand. You just don't hand over those picks. Well, they handed over A.J. Brown, which is was a big mistake for that organization. Well, they, got a, they, got a, they got a first round pick and they drafted a replacement. They drafted a replacement that sucked Arkansas. this year. Who sucked this well, year? Listen, that, that, look, that's that's the crapshoot of the draft, I guess, isn't it? You give away one of the best wide receivers for a guy that might be a third or fourth round pick this year with the the wide receivers coming out of this class. Stink. You did. I told you that kid. You was did. And they tried to, to compare his skills to AJ Brown, who, by the way, went to the Super Bowl this year and was a big part of uh, that Eagles team. Yeah, the Eagles won that trade for sure, but uh, you still have to give to get, though, right? And if they want assets, they're gonna have to give up assets. I, I, I would not give away Derrick Henry. I would not. Now, now the Buffalo Bills would be a great fit over there. Could you imagine? But how many? How many? How many? How many years does he realistically have left? Three. Realistically, three years. Right. Right. How old Maybe. is he? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. So, right, I, he's, yeah. he's starting to get hurt a little bit. Yes. And quite honestly, they rush him. What, are they, what does he get? 40 carries? 45 carries a game? Yeah. That's a ton. And it, like, get wide receivers yeah. and you won't have to worry about that. But, but picture it like a car, right? Imagine you're you in that shithole state, right? And you, you're, you're driving a Ferrari. <sighs> that's a, that's a, that's a Nobody would drive a Ferrari, a Ferrari here Ferrari. when it's cold half the season. Right. Do you know why they don't drive a Ferrari there? Because you hit too many potholes. And that's what those hits are like. If you had a nice car and you just keep whacking every pothole on the road, eventually it's going to give out. And that dude has taken too many hits to have a whole lot left in him. I like your thinking, though, Errol. It's perfect for Buffalo, though, because they Mm -hmm. need a bruiser in the snow. They don't have that. All the running backs are small. But are they willing to give up a second-round pick for Yeah, I'll give you the other team that's dying for a running back that would be a perfect fit. Think about how dangerous this would be, by the way. What if Eric Henry went to play for Miami, who's been dying for a running back? It's possible. I think well, they have, they have uh, Mosert, who was very good this year. Who it's, was always hurt. He was always But he hurt. was good when he did play. I well, still think they're going to be right, a well, you can say that more. I think Buffalo needs thing. a workhorse. That trade for Wilson, he he actually had a pretty good season when he, he did play. He had a better play. second half than Mosert. Yeah. yeah right, and, and even he got hurt because half the time they went with Ahmed. No, I know that. I think they're still more of a running back by committee thing. I think it more state makes more sense for Buffalo. They need more of that workhorse type guy, and they need somebody to take away goal line carries from Josh Allen, who's wearing himself out with all these exotic runs on, on first and goal, second and goal stuff like that. Because they need to make sure he can stay healthy too. Yeah, no, I agree. But you know, Miami's a good spot. Buffalo would be a good spot. There's, there's a lot of teams. Of there's a lot of teams I mean, that would be interested I mean, in a power running back. There's a ton of teams. Like Kansas City wouldn't take them because they do it by committee and they right. have a bunch of teams. I mean, I the top team, teams. The top teams, yes, but they're uh, the mediocre teams would be looking for a power running back that can take them over the top. I could see. I could absolutely see some of those teams actually make a move from. How about this? Why? Why couldn't Jacksonville? Add a guy like Derrick Henry to that team. I don't think they, they trade within the division, right? But they, got, they, they like that team. Yes, yes, but that he's one guy. They could use a guy that can run through the line. You know, so yes, Travis Etienne is, is a great player, no question. But I, again, there are other teams. I don't know right now on the rosters and, and where the rosters are. I'm not. I haven't really looked at it. But that but probably there, wouldn't be a landing spot for him because that's in division. Yeah, that would be more likely once he ends his free agency or it goes into free agency next year. Detroit could be an interesting place for him to go to. 
But they um, have two great running backs, Jamal Williams and Swift. They've been doing a great job there. Swift. I, I think Williams they're going to part ways with one way or another. I, I, I do. I, I think. Well, Williams was their main back this year when Swift yes, got hurt. Jamal yes. Williams. He had to be. He had to be. He had to be. But he, it, being but he that was he great had, when he did. Yes, and maybe they move on from him. Maybe they trade him and, and, and bring in a guy like Derrick Henry. He's a better player. Derrick Henry is but better. There's a, running back. there's a lot of running backs that get hurt, though. So, I mean, I Carolina? Yeah, they stink. They're not even close to winning. You know, I I mean, well, we don't Why know what it, back when we they don't, don't even have a quarterback. Now, obviously, because of their their cap, but maybe the Saints they decide to part ways with Kamara because he can't. Obviously, with all the problems that he has off the field, maybe they bring in a Derrick Henry or Atlanta's another team that could add somebody yeah, like that's him. That's interesting. I, I would definitely you know? see that. Yeah, with they're the money not they contending have. though. There's. Yeah, but they're still rebuilding. Would they do that? What, what's that? I, really I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Main priority, but they definitely have the money to do that if they are able to draft well and solve other issues. Again, they're not going to probably. Atlanta might not do it now. We they are might, talking about Derrick Henry. They, okay, they, they might do it. They might do it though in season though if if they are a good team because yeah, Atlanta probably is in more of a market Los Angeles, to, the to Chargers. No, they're giving ten to Eckler. Eckler. Uh, Eckler All so. right, so. Uh, I'm just saying, maybe Vegas because they're losing Jacobs. Well, they franchise they, Jacobs, they, so they, they, they still going to yeah. trade him. They they're still going to trade him. They're still going to trade him. He did not want to be franchised, so they're trading him. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they work something out. It's amazing. Denver, they have Williams work. coming back, but we don't know when he if he's going to be 100. percent Maybe they bring him to Denver. Yeah, that's possible. And I'd rather have Jacobs over Derrick Henry. Jacobs, quietly, by the way, led the league in rushing last year. I, I, no, think no Jacob, I love Jacobs, but I think they're going to move on from him. I really do. I don't know. I don't know. Henry, Henry's uh, health gives me concerns because he has been getting banged up. And what's the best ability, Speedy? Availability. Availability. Very good. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, there's a there's a lot to to consider out there right now. Mm. You know, I mean, there's a there's a lot of moving parts to this. It's going to be interesting to see how each team molds their future. Let's get to the NBA. John Moran suspended by the Grizzlies and will take some time to get help after being caught on camera uh, at a strip bar or a strip club uh, with a gun in Colorado. Will not face criminal charges, but still suspended. Um, what I would say about this story is pretty simple. There were stories coming out before this story that about a year ago he was playing on playing street ball with a, a kid. Uh, got into a fight with him, beat him up on the court, and then pulled out a gun and pointed it at him. Now a lot of people didn't believe this story. As a matter of fact, nobody can confirm that this story was true. And then all of a sudden, while the story was going on, after a game last week, he decides to go to a strip club with a gun, a loaded gun, and pulls the gun out. I don't know what this guy is thinking. This is another Gilbert Arenas thing. Okay, this Gilbert Arenas ruined his career. He brought his gun to the locker room of the Wizards. Okay, it ruined his career. Gilbert Arenas was one of the best players in the league at one point. He was never the same player after this story. That, that story came out. Never. Now, Gilbert Arenas' story wasn't as bad as this because Gilbert Arenas never pulled his gun out and pointed it at somebody's head. Okay? He didn't. So when you look at this story, John Moran is one of the best, one of the more respectable, best players in the league at his position. 
Now, how do you respect a player that if he gets angry at you on a basketball court, that after the game he's going to be waiting for you outside, getting ready on the bus, and he's going to shoot you in the head? Not only this, that. Isn't, this isn't uh, the Kevin, uh, Kevin Garnett, Carmelo Anthony, I'm eat, you know, eating Cheerios or whatever yeah, the hell he not, said. Honey Nut Cheerios of his wife. And then Carmelo Anthony... And, Carm- and Carmelo Anthony waiting for him on his you know, when he was going on his bus. Not only that, the, the the story that came out of the summer. Apparently, he tried to track the kid down at his house with the gun too. I I mean, this is a story that's going to grow legs. I mean, it it sucks because the Memphis Grizzlies are one of the most uh, one of the more talented young teams in the NBA right now, and fun to watch and. And what are they going to do? The playoffs are right around the corner. There, what is it? Two and a half weeks away. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? Is he actually going to play in the playoffs? And the chances of him playing in the playoffs, he hurts his team. He ruined his team uh, a chance to maybe make a run for a championship this year because of his stupidity. And you brought up Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas at the time in 2009 was suspended for 50 games because it was on a team premise. John Morant allegedly bought the gun on the team plane, too, which is against the NBA PA policies. And they could suspend him the same they're way. They're hiding that. They're, they're not going to suspend him from it. If you watch the NBA and all the things the NBA has done this year, uh, they've protected the players and really never did anything, including Kyrie Irving, who came out with the anti-Semitic views and thoughts, and even after he was traded to Dallas, taking back what he said, the apologies what he said when he was on the Brooklyn Nets, it just shows you what the NBA is and what the NBA has turned into, okay? I mean, this is all just a misunderstanding. Really? Misunderstanding? Pulling yeah. out a gun yeah. and pointing it at somebody's yeah, head? Yeah. No, complete misunderstanding. Mm. This is this is what happened. He's in the strip club. Mm. There's pretty girls dancing. He's throwing dollars. And someone says to him, hey, do you want to do some shooters? And he heard the word shooters and he freaked <laughs> out. And he's like, where's a shooter? And he went to me. He, he was a vigilante. He was a good guy in the situation. So he thought there was an active shooter situation. And he was trying to protect people. He didn't know what a kamikaze shooter was, and he and he panicked a little, and he was trying to be the good guy. Jeff, why would a why would a state like police force or whatever bring in a vigilante? And why would it be a basketball player? Like, if anyone was going to be a vigilante, it would not be a, an NBA player that's only going to be there a couple times a year in Colorado. Speedy, Speedy, yeah. How do you know he's not Batman? Because I've seen many Batman movies. Oh, and how, how many different Batmans have there been? A lot, like seven, but still, none, of, none know, of them were John Moran. Isn't Batman? Because there weren't you know there weren't Batman. any Batman movies that were that were filmed when John Moran became an NBA superstar. John Moran is the okay. Riddler. Okay, that's what he is. He's dumb. He's as, as smart as he is, he's dumb. He was trying to protect the community. Yeah, protect the community. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Put his team at risk of losing an NBA championship because he was stupid. Really dumb. Well, really uh, dumb move uh, by him. It's, a good Randy would never do that, Jeff. Come on. What a dumb it, move. It's, it's, it's hard to blame him based on his fantasy football team. He still has Aaron Hernandez on the bench. <laughs> You're so bad, man. You really are. A good vigilante would never have that. Come on, Jeff. A good vigilante checks the fantasy football teams. Um, He's very busy. He doesn't have time to check his roster. The Knicks lose Jalen Brunson to a foot injury, beat the Celtics without him, but lose against the Hornets last night on a nine-game winning streak. I will say this. Jalen Brunson right now should sit out as long as he can, get healthy for the playoffs. They're going to need him. Because after watching them lose a lead 
against the lonely Charlotte Hornets that, by the way, didn't even have LaMelo Ball, okay, was an embarrassment on your own basketball court, okay? And, I, and I'm not taking shots at the Charlotte Hornets. Well-deserved. They played hard, so out the game. They did. All the way in the fourth quarter, which, by the way, they didn't have a lead until the fourth quarter, until five or six minutes left of the fourth quarter. But the Knicks, at one point in the fourth quarter, they had a nine-point lead with, what, what was it, seven, eight minutes left of the game? And to, to give up a lead like that when they were one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the NBA and letting a Charlotte Hornet team, which are one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the NBA, out-rebound you is an embarrassment. Okay? Now, you sit here, you go, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Ask the, the Celtics right now. They're in... They're not playing good basketball right now. Shambles. They're not shambles. They're not playing good basketball. But I, I don't believe the Celtics are as bad as their record has shown in the last two weeks. Okay? They're a really good team. They have two of the better players in the NBA, two of the better young players in the NBA. And Robert Williams. Yeah, whatever. Um I think with Jalen Brunson, he has been the winning piece to this Nick team. He has been the backbone of this team. And I I I love what they have done. You know, at the trade deadline, bringing in um, Hart. Hart, who's really secured their defense and really um, helped the, the the guard position at the defensive side of the ball. And quickly is turning into uh, one of the better young point guard, backup point guards in the NBA. And it, it was a great game. He played well against the Celtics. And, and every, every Knicks fan wants to blow his head up for the, the game that he had, 39 points and, and, and I, I don't know, 14 assists or whatever the hell he had. The numbers he's a max contract out. No, he's not. But Well, someone will pay him. But you sit here right now and you look at this Knicks team. They have a great bench and they have, they have a great overall team. What really bothers me is when you watch Julius Randle play against these bad teams – he doesn't look good. And then when you see him play against teams that are in the playoffs, uh, he'll have that game against Miami when he hits that game-winning three-point shot and he scores 40 points. He has these on-and-off games. You cannot do this in the playoffs. You cannot play like this in the playoffs if you expect to beat the teams like the Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. And you also can't rely on it because a lot of the shots he makes look, still look ugly, either the possession or the shot itself. He looked horrible yesterday. I, he did. Absolutely and, atrocious. And even some of the shots he made against the Celtics were tough shots. I'll give him credit. But, again, it's not ideal like strategy-wise when it comes to coaching, when it comes to ball handling. Because Julius Randle had to take a lot of the take a, a lot of the ball handling duties because Quigley couldn't do it the whole second half. He played the whole second half against the Celtics. and He couldn't ball handle every time. So Julius Randle had to take some. And he just looked like he was like rough when he was ball handling. Yeah, it, it, to me. I know a lot of Nick fans are going to sit here. This is our best chance to make a run this year. They're a player away from making a run. I, I think they can compete. I think they can maybe sneak into the Easter Conference Championship. I just I don't know if in a seven game series they can beat the teams, the teams that have been there already, Milwaukee, Boston. I think they could beat the 76ers in a seven-game series. Absolutely. I think they have more than enough on their bench to put up the numbers they need. I think they could beat Miami. I think they could beat any other team, even Cleveland, even though their size and their youth that they have, and, and Donovan Mitchell having the season that they have had, and Garland when he is on, on that roster. Yeah, they're a good team. I think the Knicks match up very well against all those teams. Now, Cleveland scares me the most because of their size. So, but, and I, we've seen that the Knicks can compete against the Celtics. We've seen it, even against Milwaukee, but in a seven game series, 
When you're playing, you know, game in and game out against these top teams, are you going to be able to do it consistently? And are they going to be able to stay healthy? And is Jalen Brunson going to be able to put the numbers against uh, the, the, the way he's put up those numbers against lesser talented teams? Knowing the Knicks will so, uh, play Cleveland in the playoffs and Donovan Mitchell will go off for 40 points a game. I just don't know. So so the the Knicks are what, the four seed right now? The three seed? They're the fifth seed. So the, oh, they're the fifth So are the Knicks elite? No, they're not elite. No, we said they're a player oh, but, away. But when the Jets were uh, in the seventh shut place, up. they were elite. Could you shut up? Could you stop bringing up the Jets and what I said in the past? And, and you misunderstood what I said. But that's okay. That's you, Jeff. I could say a lot of things that you said, like Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr is not going to the Jets, and you're going to eat dog poop because you made that mistake. I mean, we'll see if it happens, right? It's going we'll to happen. Still... It's going to happen. Take that. You can I, take that I, to the I bank. I don't think it is. You're going to take that to the bank. Is. Also, for the most part, six seeds in the NFL are usually much more quality teams than six seeds in the NBA because we've seen a lot of six seeds, seven seeds, eight seeds be under 500 or 500 teams. So nothing to say, Jeff. No, I'm, I was I was letting Speedy finish his point. That's a thing that never that rarely happens. Most uh, people interrupt Speedy, and I actually respect him, so I didn't want to do that. Oh, oh, wait a second. Nobody lets Speedy uh, speak his points, or you know, come to an ending of what he says. That's that's ridiculous. I always let him have, make his points, so that's wrong. And that, that and by the way, if anybody cuts anybody off, it's you. Okay, I let you speak. Not, not me, friend. Yeah, okay. being very respectful of the speedster there. Oh, okay. But again, for the most part, you see how many six seeds do you see right at five hundred or under five hundred, especially the Eastern Conference over the years too. Usually, those teams are not the highest quality teams. They're either young teams that sneak in or just overperforming teams. In the NFL, you got the, some of them as good teams, and maybe they're just a six seed because they're in a division with another tough team. So a lot of the yeah, time, I mean, I, I just. I think I just don't put much stock in the NBA regular season just because, like, a lot of times it feels like teams will get to a point and, and just coast and they'll rest and, like, they, they won't play their best players. And, you know, because they know that uh, if they were to lose some games with some, some backups or on some nights where they were, you know, doing some load management stuff, that they can just put their starters in for two weeks straight, win those games, get back to their position and just coast into the playoffs. Like, I just I, – I, I don't feel as though teams – like like the the worst teams try. I don't think the better teams in the league try all that much sometimes in the in the regular season. Yeah, no question, and I, that's why I, the issues with a lot of these the playoff format now having to go from seven to ten teams. You're going to get a lot of bad teams that get co- coast off that amidst all that because they get the benefit of the doubt of these other teams resting their players, and then they look better than they actually are because of that. I'm not saying every play in team is bad. Like I like Atlanta, I, uh, Miami's a good team, but like there are teams that like shouldn't be in that. Like the Wizards, or everyone's saying the nope. Wizards are any good. It, look at the Western Conference. Uh, is anyone uh, saying the Utah Jazz? Well, I think we're number eight. Oh, they... The Western Conference is horrible. I know, but still, like, are any hey, of you say what you say what you want. want. People earlier, people earlier this year, yeah, they were saying the Jazz were were really good. Do you remember the beginning of the year? Yeah. They were, right, they like, started hot. They, they started hot. They were in first place. Uh, I think with the first 30, 35 games, they were in first place and in then, the Western Conference. And then I think the first two months of the season, three months of the season, New Orleans was in first place. Now they're barely holding on to a playoff spot right now. So. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the West. It's how bad the West is. And now Golden State went from thirteenth to six. Now I don't think Golden. State it's any good this year. But again, with Steph Curry coming back, it's going to give him a little bit of a boost. But the Western Conference is just, it's horrible. 
It's horrible. The Warriors and now still be at least five seed, though. The Warriors could jump to three because Memphis lost John Morant. Dude, I don't, I don't want to hear the Warriors are one of the worst teams on the planet, dude. They no LeBron. They still end up getting smoked by the Jared Vanderbilt Lakers. Still like a Jared Vanderbilt. <laughs> oh, right? you're back and on then, that. Dude, and then the next night they get absolutely pummeled by the Thunder. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm not a Warriors believer. They stink this year. Don't, don't worry, you and Errol can finally agree on something. I I, I no no no. That. I think I still think he's uh, wrong about you know like that that uh, mm-hmm. Steph Curry is no. I think Steph Curry is very good, dude. I never said he I'm, wasn't very I'm, good. I'm becoming one of those people that just thinks Jordan Poole it might be the worst player on the planet. Why is that? Because <laughs> he's from he Michigan. Ev- no, because he he misses every open jump shot he's ever taken. Every one of them. Did you watch the game the other night? Did, Horrible. Jeff, didn't you used to complain Horrible. about that with Marcus Smart, too? <laughs> well, Marcus Smart before uh, had, had his issue shooting, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure he had some issues that way. But, you know, uh, and he still has shooting issues. Yeah, right? the, the, the that's Knicks, not much. The Knicks left him open that's, a lot at the end of the game because of that, but he still made a lot of those at the end of that game. Yeah, he did, but then he did some dumb stuff when it didn't matter and fouled out on some doing some dumb shit. So, yeah. I mean, does, like... Like, did you see that boneheaded play? Yep. Terrible, mm-hmm. terrible play by him, yep. right? But again, that's that's not that's not his thing. That's not what he does. Dallas he's, is. He's, I will say this, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but Dallas looks horrible. Ever since they landed Kyrie Irving, I don't know what their record is. They they must have a losing record. Yeah, they do. With Kyrie Irving. They were. They were I don't know. They, when they, they traded for Kyrie Irving. Now they were seven. So. I don't know, man. They played Phoenix pretty tough when they played. You know, they I didn't beat them. No, they didn't. But they played them. Yeah, though, I mean, they have obviously Luka Doncic and they have Kyrie Irving. They should. We have two players that could score 60 points for your whole roster. But you're, you're, you have no bench whatsoever. They have nothing. And they're small. They're not a big team. They're a small team. They don't have a lot of size on the team. Really, they only have Christian Wood. That's really it for size. Yeah. That's good. And Dwight Powell. I mean, he's good. He's all right. Yeah. But nothing special. But the, most of their players are six, seven or less. Mm-hmm. I mean, JaVale McGee, but... Oh, how much is he actually going to play? That's another question. i like to see JaVale McGee play more because it's funny, but still. I mean, come well, on. What's with, the, what's with the JaVale McGee slander, dude? I like no, no, no. It, it was JaVale McGee. It was, a, it was actually just a joke from my, uh, yeah. my college show because of how often he was unshacked and a fool at that time. Uh, the host of our college sports show always made fun of him, so it was an ongoing joke for a while. So when he finally won a championship at Golden State, he could juggle balls. We all we all <laughs> we all, ce- we all celebrated it kind of sarcastically. Hey, the Warriors wouldn't have won without JaVale McGee, which I also said about David Lee when they won their first championship and then blew a three-one lead the next year. Mm. Nick but JaVale McGee was very good that very good that year. I know. I've been saying JaVale McGee is a useless player. He's good for what he's been. He's played for every team. I know. I mean, he's he's been all over. He's been a journeyman ever since. Right, but like sometimes you just have to appreciate a guy for what he is, and he's a he's a backup center. Right, centers are kind of getting a little phased out of the league a little bit. Definitely. Ever, ever, everyone like no one wants like. uh, no one wants Shaquille O'Neal anymore. Like that's what? not what they want. They they everyone wants like Dirk Nowitzki. Like yeah. that's what they want. You know, like the big guy they can, that can like shoot, Jokic yeah. is the guy. He can go down low, but they also want him to be able to shoot. So like McGee's kind of a throwback to you know just the low post kind of center. Jokic will go down as the best two way player we've ever seen at his position. I, I really do. If he stays healthy, the way he is playing, Nowitzki. Oh yeah, I think I, I think he's a much better player than Nowinski was. Much better player. 
He could do everything. Nowitzki was a great shooter. Yeah, he could get into the paint. He had that great fadeaway. Yeah, yeah, but this guy, he could do everything. He could shoot. He can get into the paint. He's a good free throw shooter. He's a great defender. He could play defend multiple positions. And this guy was a second round pick. He's probably the best passer for his size. Oh, passer too. I mean, how many how many big men have we seen pass like that? I, I mean, there's not many. Gasol, there's. There's not many players that we have seen like Joker, and that's what makes him so special. He he really is. He's going to go down as one of, if he stays healthy. He's going to go down as one of the best two way players of his position. Might be the best two way player at his position. Mm-hmm. Most unique for sure because you don't see a passer a, a passer that for that size, a body type for that size. Be, He's going to win another MVP again this year. And if he wins a third straight MVP, he is. Yeah. He's that, definitely going to. That, that's something that a lot of big men don't do in today's NBA as it is, even if they were, like you were saying, the dominant big men. Are you watching what Damian Lillard's doing, too? Oh, yeah. I mean, Insane. it's unbelievable what that guy is doing right now. Last year, he had an off season. Maybe he wasn't 100% healthy. His mind is on a whole nother level right now. I mean, this guy, he should be up for an MVP. He, he won't because he's playing for Portland, right. but he's having a... Unbelievable. What do you have? A triple double the other day? I mean, uh, it was 38 points, 14 assists, and 12 rebounds. Scored 70 a couple weeks ago. I I mean, the guy's playing unbelievable basketball, but he's playing on a crappy team. It's unbelievable the numbers he's putting up. Good for, Unbelievable. Good for him, though, staying loyal. I like these other guys. I like to jump ship all over uh, the place. And he's making the most money out of any any NBA player. He <clears> got <throat> the best two. He had the most two year the, the the most money out of any two year player in history. I think he's making what fifty 60 a year, sixty sixty yeah. million a year, mm-hmm. uh, and well deserved. This year, it's well deserved. Rewarding him for loyalty. It's unbelievable. It really is the numbers. And if they could sneak into the playoffs, watch out. I mean, the the way he is playing. I mean, he's unstoppable. He is an unstoppable player right now. Before we go, uh, obviously we'll be back tomorrow. Um, I want to wish and I want to give congratulations to John Jones. Uh, winning the heavyweight title against Gone. I will say by something. By submission. By submission. Guillotine uh, show called. I had I, that one. I watched the fight, okay? Um, and I, I'm a big John Jones fan. I, I met John Jones years and years ago in Buffalo at the casino. Uh, very well, very nice guy, very well built. I mean, the guy is long as hell. I, I mean, his wingspan is ridiculous. And he's. Probably going to go down as the greatest MMA fighter of all time. That fight was absolutely rigged. I don't care what anybody tells me. I th- that guillotine lock and and I heard what John Jones said at the end of the fight. He said that he heard his spine crack and that's why he tapped out. It's hard to believe the way he was positioned. Yes, he put his weight on his neck. It's hard to believe a two hundred and seventy pound, uh, you know ox of a man would tap out to a guillotine chokehold that wasn't even really fully sunk. Okay? I, I'm sorry, and I don't care what Dana White says, and he, he he is trying to find a way to sell the product right now because, let's be honest, the product is not as good as it has been over the years. It's not. John Jones coming back, signed an eight-fight eight contract. Now, he's, now they're saying that he you'd be lucky if you see him fight Stipe. That's it. They're saying that he might walk away after Stipe. He wants to fight Stipe, but 
There's no guarantees that that's going to happen. Now, Dana White says it, he will, and John Jones already came out at his press conference, press conference saying that he wants to fight Stipe, fight Stipe. But to sit here today, and, and I, I've heard stories about the Jake Paul, and I, I know Jake Paul is a Disneyland or Disney, you know, social media guy, and he's all about selling and marketing himself, and he's a great marketer. To, to see the stories that were coming out that uh, I think uh, Fury was supposed to uh, be knocked out in the eighth round, and uh, that's what was supposed to happen, and they, they were decide, they were undecided about that. It, it, to me, and I believe that story, I believe that story to be true, because I think boxing even though it's a prize fighting, you know, it's been been around for years and it was prize fighting, it's become a sellout sport. It has been. And now mixed martial arts is turning that way too with the, the judges and the money that's being invested. First of all, these players aren't making, these fighters aren't making enough money for their fights. An average UFC fighter for a fight is making $10,000. $10,000. Gone, who, by the way, was, you know, the... Unified champion going into the John Jones fight, okay, and and it was up for grabs. The fact is, is that he what is he making for that fight? John Jones probably made a million and a half on that. Fight. I don't know the exact number, but he probably made a little bit over a million dollars. How much did Gon make? How much did he make? No, I he mean, probably, they're making more than that. No, no, no. An average UFC fighter is making ten thousand dollars. You can look it up. Now he, yeah, it's a heavyweight fight, so he's he's probably making a hundred thousand dollars. They're making more than that because I don't. I, I, you clearly missed the Chael Sonnen interview. Chael Sonnen fought. Um, mm-hmm. Shoot, he fought. God, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on who the Anderson fight was, Silver. Anderson Silver. Uh, oh, it might have been Anderson Silver. Do you know how much you got paid for the Anderson Silver? Fight? How much? Eight and a half million dollars. Go look that up, Speedy. Don't need to look it up. Go on YouTube. Go to the Just Andrew, Andrew Schultz podcast. Chael Sonnen. Look for the interview. UFC fighter. Who's the Who's the fighter? Chael. I think it was. Sonnen. I think. Oh, I got it. Chael okay. Sonnen. Okay. Anderson Silva fight. How much money did he make? I'm telling you, he didn't make eight and a half million dollars. He's saying he did. I, make I mean, eight and a half all right. Dollars. He's saying that he did. I don't believe it. There's no way. I mean, I mean, I'm going I'm to tell you why it's not. No way. Conor, Mc, uh, Conor uh, uh, McGregor has made more money than any UFC fighter in any fight. And the most money Conor McGregor has won in a fight was like $10 million. Okay? $10 million. 50000 50000 he made. He didn't make $8 million. He's, saying he's he a liar. Eight. He is a liar. He did, he did steroids. He he's a liar. I don't care what Shale Sonnen says. I met him. He's a liar. He's, a, he's always lied. And, uh, and he has a big podcast and everything like that. I don't care what that man says. An average UFC fighter. It, 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 and, and Weidman. Weidman was a champion. Weidman didn't wait. He, he, I, I don't think he's ever broken a million dollars for a fight. I don't think he's ever broken a million dollars for one fight. And he was a champion. Cheryl Sonnen was never a champion. So for him to come out and say he made $8 million against Anderson Silver, what a crock of you-know-what. And I know that because I know a lot of these fighters. I know a lot of them. Kenny Florian over the years. We, I've known a ton of these guys. I train with them. And, I, and I'm telling you, Dana White has screwed these fighters for years. They should be getting insurance. 
They don't make enough money to protect themselves. Now, these fighters are willing to go and make $10,000 because they don't have anything. They come from nothing. Conor McGregor, before he became a UFC fighter, he was on welfare. He was a plumber, a plumber's assistant in Ireland. Now he's a multi-millionaire because he fought Mayweather and uh, made $100 million for that fight. But you go look. Conor McGregor made the most money out of any fire in all his fights. The most he's ever made, Conor McGregor, I think, was $10 million for one of his fights. I think it was in New That's York. That's a lot of money. No, yeah, but he's the only one that makes it. He was the only one. And then he tried to get the UFC to give him a partnership, so he owned a piece of the UFC. And that was never going to happen. And now he's, gonna, now he's a washed-up fighter. He's going to fight Chandler. Chandler, I wouldn't be surprised if he wipes, doesn't wipe the, the canvas with him. He's fighting Michael Chandler? Yeah. They're, they're doing the next Ultimate Fighter. They're both being coaches, which is going to air in the next two months. And then after the next Ultimate Fighter, uh, they should fight in, I, I'm hearing, August or September. And that's, that's his return, McGregor's return back. <clears throat> he... Remember, McGregor gained a lot of weight for that Roadhouse movie. I think he's walking at 205. He's going to have to... They're saying that they're not sure what they're going to fight at, but Chandler was saying 170. But he said he'll fight him at any weight. Okay? But when a guy has been out of mixed martial arts for, what, two years? Three years? He's not the same fighter. Then he tried to come back and fight Poirier. Poirier wiped the floor with him. Poirier is special, though. No, he is. And he became a special fighter because he was never a good boxer. When Poirier came into the mixed martial arts world, he was a ground fighter wrestler with his cauliflower ears. He was a great Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist, and he just became a black belt. Congratulations to him. About a year ago, he became a full, full-fledged full black belt. But, uh, I mean, Poirier, he really changed his game when he, when he learned Muay Thai. He went over there uh, overseas and then... Obviously became a stand-up fighter with his boxing skills. He's a different fighter now. He's a better fighter now. But, again, the UFC isn't the same. And John Jones was their savior, bringing him back. He has been away. He hasn't fought in three years, three and a half years until this fight. And everybody says, well, he came out and said that he wanted to do it the right way. He wanted to gain the weight the right way. And everybody said he was out of shape. Now, he did not look like gone. He, he did not. All right, so Rogan is, is is built like an ox of a big man, French fighter. He's fantastic specimen, but to say in two minutes and five seconds of the fight he tapped him out. How many times? Go look at Gon's record. How many times has he been tapped out? The answer, never, never. Right, but, but I think there's a difference though, right? Because yes. like that that division doesn't have a ton of dudes that that fight like John Jones. No. Right? Like, He's a, a special fighter. He is. Right. So that's what makes Jones in that division uh, really, really difficult to fight because he's just going to be uh, doing stuff so much different than anyone else in that division. Like Brock Lesnar, who is in that division, isn't like a roll around on the ground. He's a wrestler. Or he was a great wrestler. He's an all world wrestler. No, he was good at Minnesota. He was, but that's not how he. That's not how he's modeled his UFC career. Well, yes, he did because what he did is he used his wrestling skills. He used his weight against you. He would pumble you by getting on top of you. Used he shoot at you, take your legs out, and try to beat you that way. That's how Brock Lesnar, you know, fought when he fought guys like Frank Mir and all those other guys. He 
he he never he fought a lot of old guys. And when when Brock Lesnar was the heavyweight champion of the world, who did he beat? Randy Couture. Randy Couture was forty three years old, forty four years old. He was an old man. Remember, so I, I mean, obviously they're more athletic now, and and John Jones is is an athletic specimen. He's a beast of a man. But to watch that fight, shame on shame on uh, Dana White to sit there and think that that was a good fight and make him uh, after that fight saying that he's the greatest MMA fighter to ever lift. D- did we forget about Anderson Silver? Did we forget how dominant Anderson Silver was in the UFC for almost eight years? Okay, and, and uh, it's a crock of you know what, and they're trying to sell that because there's nothing to sell right now in the UFC. Nothing. There's nothing sellable right now. I'm sorry to, to, to say, sit here today and say, "Well, Conor McGregor coming back." I know everybody wants to see Conor come back. Conor Conor McGregor is washed up, and I'm not saying John Jones is washed up. Why do you think John Jones wanted to win the heavyweight championship? Why do you think he wanted to fight in the heavyweight division? Because he didn't want to cut to 205 anymore. He was beating he was beating up his body. He was killing his body. Has anybody I, I want to ask anybody out there, how many times have you cut 20 pounds? I remember when I was fighting, I cut 15 pounds in a week and a half. I, I practically starved myself. Headaches, not sleeping. Sleeping in the sauna for five hours. <laughs> Running in place for an hour. Draining myself, wearing bags on my body to cut weight, to make weight. Do you know what that does to your body? It kills you. It burns you out. And he was doing it for years. So then he wanted to gain weight. He wanted to put on muscle. He says he's one of the strongest. You heard Gonsei. He said, John Jones, he's strong. He's strong. And what did it feel like when he was laying on your body? It felt like a ton of bricks. Yeah, a 265-pound man laying on my neck. Yeah, it feels like a ton of bricks. Not enough when he didn't even really sink it in. He didn't really lock it in or use his back on it. He didn't do that. Does anybody know what a guillotine is? A guillotine is the best, and the, th- the, the way you, you wrap a guillotine on somebody is when you lock your legs around them and you, you put your weight on the, you put their weight, your weight, your back on his neck. He didn't do that. He put all his weight on the back of his neck. That's not enough, and he didn't lock it up. It wasn't fully locked. So you're going to tell me that that fight wasn't rigged? I'm sorry. That that guy's an all-world fighter, Gon is. Surreal Gon is, is an all-world fighter to he try to sell me. He only had one loss before that. Yeah, I know. Fight, and it was by decision. Yeah, I know what it was. He's never tapped out. Even as an amateur fighter, never tapped out. To sit here, and, and, and he says he was, he was embarrassed. I would be embarrassed too, but he's not embarrassed to the bank. He probably made the most money he's ever made. And, and the UFC tried to sell us at the end of the fight. Dana White, after his press conference, says it was the fourth or f- between fourth or seventh biggest, uh, you know, s- sell at the door uh, in history. I think it was $12.5 million they made for the fight. They were overcharging the seats to watch John, John Jones tap somebody out in two minutes and five seconds. Embarrassing. UFC should be ashamed of themselves. I'm sorry, Dana White wanting to sell a product like that? Unsatisfactory. Uh, uh, unsatisfactory. If these fights are really rigged, maybe they should bring in Arian Foster. <laughs> I'm just... I don't know what it is. and uh, I, they, They've tried to bring Greg Hardy in. And look how embarrassed he was. Uh-huh. 
I mean, he's been he's jumped from one division to another league and another organization. The guy's embarrassing. He just got knocked out again. Isn't Le'Veon Bell trying to do UFC now or something? Ah, uh, like he tried to box. Okay. Uh, him and Adrian Peterson boxed against one another. That's he right. Kicked yeah, the crap out of Adrian like Peterson, and then he, <clears throat> he fought a real boxer and got his butt whipped. And just like Jake Paul, when he finally got into a ring with a real boxer, and by the way, he, Tommy Fury is not a good fighter. He's not. I don't care if he's undefeated. He's not his brother. He's not. But the fact that anybody wants to sit here and tell me, hey, uh, you know, he beat Jake Paul. Jake Paul is a garbage boxer. Okay? He doesn't know what the— He's a garbage human. Probably is. I I don't know personally. He He could be from New York. He's a market— No, he's not. He's from Florida, by the way. But nevertheless, I I just—I think the UFC needs to figure out what they're doing with this product. Because this product is wasting away. And I, I talk to a lot of executives in the industry, amateur amateur guys that are running New York right now, and telling me, well, there's upcoming good fighters coming out. There really isn't. He's not from Florida. He's from Ohio. I, I know. I'm sorry. They they live in Florida. Even this state yeah. wouldn't have Yeah, he is from Ohio. I'm sorry. He, he is from Ohio because he fought his, not this past fight, but the last fight he fought in. Yeah, much closer to New York. But, um... As far as I'm concerned, him and his family live in Florida now. But um, as far as I'm concerned, as an uh, as an organization, the UFC, they need to figure out what they're doing with these fighters. I think if they start paying these fighters and start giving them uh, the right benefits and the right opportunities to grow, I think there'll be more fighters wanting to go into mixed martial arts. That's that's my opinion. I just think they're – why would you – why would you – why would you go to UFC and mixed martial arts when you could fight on an undercard of a heavyweight championship or uh, you know, a title fight for the middleweight division or a light heavyweight division, whatever, cruiserweight championship, and make $500,000 or $600,000, and you're not even – I mean, but all, the thing, but all the things that you're complaining about are worse in boxing. All the th- oh oh the gotten th- fight is fixed. You don't think boxing is fixed? Oh, 100 percent. I said that. that. I said that it. The- I said yeah, it was fixed. Boxing's way worse than than. No, anything. I think uh, all all combat sports are, are are starting to become fixed. It's becoming entertainment. It's becoming the WWE, <clears throat> as well as other sports, making it rigged and trying to put money in other people's pockets. Anyways, Jeff, thank you for calling. We'll we'll talk to you tomorrow, man. Sure, yeah, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you boys. I cannot wait. Keep up the betting, man. Make, see, keep making the money. Uh, oh, I, well, not such a great day today. I bet the Georges. Today today was a day I just did something weird. I bet the Georges, and I went one and two. There you go. They're not the Bulldogs. I right? went, I, well, I won with George Mason. I lost with George Washington, and now I lost the Georgetown. Oh. Uh. Bums, all of them. All of them, straight bums. But I did win with Bayern Munich earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big win. Shout out to Snug because I know that he didn't bet it. He wanted to, but he Aww. didn't get on the didn't get on the gravy train. Even mm-hmm. Errol, I've had some yeah. luck with Errol. Yeah. Trying to show him some soccer. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I didn't make any bet. I didn't make any bets uh, today, but I made one bet with Milwaukee. I put thirty dollars, and I made like uh, twelve bucks yesterday. So not bad. Yeah, see, not bad. I mean, you know, I got to get back over three hundred. I finally got out back over three hundred. I lost money. You know, making some silly bets, but I'm um, back over 300, so we're we're back uh, to the investment right there. So yeah, you just gotta you just gotta uh, <clears throat> you, look. Nothing is a sure thing. Like nothing is a sure thing, but you gotta 
you got to find things that you can find confidence in rather than just throwing things against the wall that that never works. And then, you know, big parlays a lot of times just don't work out. I've hit a bunch of big ones lately. I've hit yeah. a bunch of bad, I sent out all the tickets. Yeah. He's right? made some money, man. Smashing money. it on some of them. Right. But yeah, you got to just find things that, that you're, you have confidence in. What you should do mm-hmm. is go, go onto my site that I showed you. Right. And bet, bet whether you think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a jet. That's, that's in the props. Thank you, Jeff. That's in the props. Thank you for calling. Are you going to put money on it? No, you don't have much confidence because he's not going. Goodbye. New York got their quarterback. Goodbye, Jeff. Goodbye. Goodbye, Jeff. Thank you. Jeff from Tampa. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, just wonderful. Just has to end on a top good note. Really Just wonderful. Wonderful. Phil's right in, by by the way, guys. Anyways, great show. Thank you to Bashard Breland for joining us. Guys, uh, you know, out there, some of these executives, give him a chance. Give him a chance. Come this on, guy, Joe Shane. I know you're listening. Give him a shot, man. I mean, this guy still could play. He believes he has another five years left in him. Give him a chance. There, there, there are corner positions that need to be filled on a lot of rosters. Yeah. He'd be a good backup player. Uh, and you don't have to pay him a lot of money. Just give him two hundred and fifty grand, and he'll be happy. I'm trying to help you, Prashad. I am. Um, thank you to uh, Ben Heller, aka the Red Stone. Yes, the Red Stone Killer, Mister Heller. So great nickname for him. I like it. I, I was thinking initially you're going to go with Bat out of Hell, but that would make more sense. Oh, no, I was like a the hitter. Red Stone. I, that would make more sense if he was a hitter, not a pitcher. I like the Red Stone. Yeah, Wisconsin, very good native. I like it. Very I like good. it. Uh, yeah, thank you to Jeff for just absolutely annoying us. Um, <laughs> thank you to all the fans. We'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. Who do we have, Speedy? So returning to the show at 9.30, our friend from Miami, WPLG sports anchor and reporter Clay Ferraro will be returning. Oh, look at that. He'll be on at 9.30. And then Miami 10- guy. Yep. And then at 10 o'clock, we will have a former Rockies, Pirates, and Cardinals catcher, uh, now a Pirates analyst on AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, he has a podcast, Pitching In, and he is the owner of Pitch Logic, which actually has a Bluetooth digitally powered base. Baseball, which is very interesting. His name is Michael McHenry. I remember Mike. So uh, Mike will be joining us tomorrow. So it'll be fun talking a little baseball. Baseball is right around the corner, guys. Pitchers and catchers, the world classic. Wonderful. Anyways, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey saying good night. We'll talk to you then. Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.